You are listening to the Chomcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. We know life is precious and your time is valuable, so thank you for making our show part of your day. Hopefully, we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit. You know, the Chomcast gives you double life experience points. That's right. Double life experience points. Every show is streaming and downloadable at swordchomp.com where you can find our reviews, our merchandise, our Patreon course, patreon.com slash swordchomp. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, leave a kind five-star rating. Subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, every major podcast outlet out there. Help get the Sword Chomp name and the Chompcast name into more people's ears. Because that's where I want to be, in more people's ears. Something you're big enough to fill. It's not what you said a few minutes ago. <laughs> okay, not every, not everyone fight to get your small dick jokes in at one time now. Well, there's plenty of room. There's pl- yeah. <laughs> 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 Boom. Uh, bosom. Bust. Chest. Bazookas. Boobies. Globes. <laughs> melons. Knockers. Orbs. Baps. Bazooms. Bristols, cassabas, chichis, charlies, jugs. Yes, literally every every plural noun. We were not going to go through the whole list. Norks, tit, booby. Now you're going to move to singular? Hooters. Paps. Not to be confused with baps. We're on a clock, time clock here. These are all terms for breasts. Whatever you want to call them. But they had to be smaller. When Tomb Raider took the world by storm in the 90s, it was a very different world. And with no disrespect to those 0.1% of the population with a perfect hourglass figure, those 90 games were fairly absurd. Now, for aesthetic reasons, the developers claim it wasn't all pervy uh, marketing. Supposedly, they only had so many polygons to make her character shape stick out. And stick out they did. But that just wouldn't fly when they revamped the series in 2013. And we haven't even mentioned those polarizing tank controls. Good God. Now, the series needed a complete modern overhaul inside and out. In other cases, it's a bit more subtle. Crash 4 was recently released, and it says here via the review at swordchomp.com, the gameplay feels like a subtle but modernized evolution of the franchise's core gameplay. Really, they didn't need to do much to make Crash work today. Um, But what they did was very smart. Like a little shadow that shows you where he's jumping and sort of erasing the traditional life counter. The topic of the show this week is along those ideas. What is the key to reviving or modernizing a dormant gaming franchise? We discuss with help from the Sword Chomp Instagram community. Uh, we also talk about some new games as well. Star Wars Squadrons, Spyro 2, Eichenfell. We wrap up the Crash Talk, Crash 4, of course. I Am Dead. And we run down a bunch of fun Crash theme polls. Um, because Spyro don't get no respect. No respect. Let's get to some intros. Rich is here from New York. That was um, a terrible uh, Roddy Dagerfield. Let's see if I got a better one. Don't get no respect. No respect. It's a little bit better, I guess. That sounds like an Italian mobster version. The don't get no respect. Oh. That's not what an Italian person sounds like. <laughs> like um, uh, mixed with like dragon warlord um yes rich is here now i'm more confused than ever hi 
It's it's tougher than I thought. I forget. don't get no respect. It's harder than you think. Let's see your do. Let's hear yours. Let's see yours. That's not one that I have in my bag of tricks or dicks. No respect, indeed. No, you can't. You don't got one either, huh? You don't got a Rodney Dangerfield. Huh? I don't need to prove myself. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought I'd give you a chance just in case you had. If one. you're good at something, never do it for free. Are you particularly good at any other impressions besides Trump? I know Trump is like uh, your go-to. I can do uh, the host of this uh, podcast, uh, Morgan Barnes. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Is he just going to say something really perverted? <laughs> oh, pussy, Death Stranding. Oh, Lincoln Park. <laughs> it was close. It was close. Um, if I sound like I was an orgasm, the throws of pleasure the whole time, I think. <laughs> That's pretty. That's I mean, pretty when you I mean, talk you are, about anytime Death you bring up any of those things, at any given point, Ooh. seconds away from go- orgasm. You have reminded me, Rich. We haven't talked about Death Stranding in months. Um, it's tragic. Well, if you'd listen to our ads, you'd know that's not true. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh. Shay, did we ever use that ad? <laughs> I think so. No, no. we didn't. Josh, okay. is, Josh shaking is shaking his head. No. Yeah. And he puts the ads in there, so. He would know. Maybe yeah, I need. To, maybe I never gave I that to him. Maybe that... I need to get it to him. One. Okay, I need to send you that one. Okay. Yeah. Or oh. we can. Oh, I was gonna say we could put it on the Patreon VIP. But yeah, that sounds. I want to hear that one now. Now I gotta know. I gotta know. Uh, well, Rich is here. Um, yeah. Only doing certain impressions, and uh, we're gonna talk about all sorts of interesting things today, including the Star Wars. I was uh, I served in the in the Star Wars. You served in the Star Wars. Yes, yeah, you were awarded the Medal of. I did go, a go on. I did go. a death. I did a Death Star. I didn't. There's no Death Star in that game, but there's some stuff that sure tries to simulate that. Okay, it's Death Star adjacent. I feel like. yeah. I would. That's fair. I would call it Death Star adjacent. I mean, what's <laughs> the Doom? It's the Doom Star. That's well, you blow is. up a, a star destroyer, and they kind of try uh-huh. and simulate some Death Star adjacent were, stuff. Were people complaining that. that in the Force Awakens that it was too much like a Death Star at the end with the whole base that they had? Well, to... it was it literally like they just built it into a planet this time. Don't well, Star so. Wars wa- fans just want to bitch about everything about the series? Pretty that they much, love? yeah. Can't like I, I didn't think those movies were like fucking fine art, but I'm like they were fine. Uh huh. The original Star Wars movies? That's fucked up, Rich. How could you say that? <laughs> yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars is fine. Um, all right, well, Rich is joining us in New York. Happy to have you here today. From Japan, the one and only Professor Layton is here. Shay is here. Um, Shay joining here. Shay, did you vote on any of the, the Crash vs. Spyro polls this week? I did. Of course, I voted for Crash. Okay, Team Crash. That's fine. I love both of them. I mean, I w- I'm pretty sure you can't vote in polls for your own website. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Oh, <laughs> we should. Or we, yes, we need to get into polling practices right now uh, in this country because that is a hot, hotly debated topic. Uh, yeah, as you know, I'm throwing out the the polls that I don't agree with. Um, people are finding them in the trash. Yeah, but you've been doing that for years. It's <laughs> really, and it takes it's going to take us eight to nine days to just get the results. So you know, it's going to be one yeah. of those kind of. Yeah, I fi- I figured you were gonna ask all of us to do our Morgan impersonation. I thought oh, that's I'd, what the intros I'd were gonna to, be. Well, let's start with this: the Rodney in, but... Dangerfield, and then the insulting Morgan impersonation. Let's I'm Roger Dangerfield. 
Rodney. Like Hi, it. I'm Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> it's Rodney's brother, that, Roger. That, that was a, a BoJack Horseman joke Roger, for anyone getting that yeah. deep cut. Uh, I didn't get that. I actually Do you have one. a Rodney Dangerfield in your repertoire, Shay? Nah, I've watched like two interviews with the, with him ever. He's a funny guy, but just never made it around to like actually checking out his stand up or anything like that. But so I, I couldn't give you an impersonation. <laughs> but you know who I do hear every week and I can't give a good impersonation, which I did last week, actually, if you didn't hear the full Let's episode. Uh... It's not Tommy Wiseau. It's not that oh, one, okay, Rich. Sorry. Rich is holding up a picture of <laughs> <laughs> is it Tommy Wiseau or Wizzo? Wizzo? Wiseau? Wizzo? Wiseau? Wizzo? Wiseau? Weezu. Weezu, Weezu. Is that a Pokemon? Um, I'll do my impersonation of Morgan again, even though I did it last week. I'll do it again this week. Hold on. Yeah, I missed it. <laughs> and during the ad break. Yeah, so what, just what I want to say about this game is it's like a three-layer burrito. <laughs> calling that back but anyways it's like a three layer burrito where on the first layer you have just this amazing amazing story that was just carefully crafted by kojima and then you have this second layer where i just when i was playing i was just i was you know my baby was just born and just being able to play as the character transporting this baby throughout this just nasty wasteland made me connect with it on such a bigger more powerful deep deep level and third i was listening to limp biscuit while i was playing this game and i just felt like while i was playing i was just rolling 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 man i tell you man this game is just absolutely amazing there's nothing like it it's incredibly incredibly brave of kojima to release this game in an era where triple a developers just make this absolute mediocre garbage it's I can't tell you enough about well, how I think you went off the rails there, Shay. was. You went off the rails there. One would yeah, never you, say anything bad about a AAA, AAA developer. developer. No, no, not me. I, uh, <laughs> Roland is actually about Molly. I was wrong. It's secretly about Molly. That's not bad. I actually didn't think about the... Th- I thought you had something there. I was like, you know what? He's going to pull three layers out of this whole story, but then you drop the Limp Bizkit. I thought you had a third layer. I thought you had somehow... Limp Bizkit was, like, was the second and third layer. Oh. Well, I, like, Morgan, I hate, to, I hate to tell you this. Sometimes I don't think you realize this. When you make your own points, you lose the initial point like that. That's, that's the whole reason why I did that impersonation. It often ends with us going, wait, what were we talking about? Yeah. Uh, well, give me an example. Give me an example, and I'll see. Right like, now, comes well, my, to mind. the first thing. The first thing is that the music was just perfect, just perfect. Some of the best music this year. That's true. And the second thing was that the music just tied in so well with everything <laughs> going on in the game. And no, B, no, and, and no, B, no, B, <laughs> the visuals just made you appreciate the music so much in this game. Sounds like he really liked the music. It, they they missed uh, Rich missed this, but the three layer burrito joke came in the fact that there was a uh, there was a sort of traditional game soundtrack um, by Ludwig. MB. Then there was the MB. commercial tie in soundtrack. Ludwig von Koopa. Uh, yes, Ludwig. There was the commercial tie in soundtrack as well, um, which I thought was actually pretty amazing. And then there was like, you know, it had like. Brooming the Horizon and all this other. Um, oh God, this is about Death Stranding. Yes. Uh, 
You tricked me. <laughs> I wasn't the one who brought up the joke. Uh, would you guys... Hey, Rich, I, I, I got to tell you something. It's always about Death Stranding for Morgan. That's the secret. Yeah. No, it's just Morgan standing behind the, the poor astronaut holding a gun. Yeah. And is, this, is this podcast about Death Stranding? Always had. And, <laughs> and then it was sort of like how they... Uh, they did that weird thing in that game where like you'd it would just out of nowhere like the words would come up and it would be like you're in a little music video walking around, you know, and they would be like, Oh, dead poets and then it was like, Oh, the music would play and you'd walk from location to location. So just I have online I'm not gonna do it today, but online with this joke, I have a really good three layer burrito for end of the year. Um don't wanna spoil it though. But yeah. Oh, remind me to take off of work the next day. Well, you're not going to want to miss that show because I think we're going to do an entire podcast dedicated to music from video games. So I don't think you want to miss that one. Um, Josh will, though. Um, Josh is joining us from Michigan. Joshua Fowler will probably want to have that hour of his life back because I'm assuming we're going to agree on everything, every single selection. This year, Josh, I think it's happening for the first time ever. Hmm. Sword Chomp history. I'm Down. trying to think what you could be wrong about this year. Don't don't sell them short. Well, that's what Everything. I'm saying. I don't think there are that many options to be wrong about this year. So, yeah, I think he may be meaning that facetiously, but might actually be right. We can talk about this later, but I think uh, Eichenfeld might be in that conversation because in the hour I've played, boy, do I mm-hmm. want to buy a vinyl of that. <laughs> right? <laughs> You near vinyls, uh, which I respect. Didn't you buy what was the platformer vinyl you bought this week? There's a general amount of time Jack and Daxter from Montana. Jack, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't even remember the music from Jack and Daxter at all. Not to say that it's, it's bad, but it's good music. Is it? it is very much in the vein of Crash that, Bandicoot style music. Well, that's like, the thing th- with those yeah. things are very comparable. Isn't the weird? That's the weird thing about Crash and Spyro music is it's like very unique, but it's not really revered on the same level as like you know Mario and Donkey Kong and stuff like that. And maybe maybe it's just because it's too like. I I think Naughty I Dog of like Crash going into Jack and Daxter. I think the the music in the Jack and Daxter series is very informed by what they did in Crash Bandicoot. It has a lot of the same uh, sort of like instrumental cues, like drum heavy and stuff like that. Yeah. Really good. It's it the the vinyl I got is um uh it's a two LP of uh collections from Jack one two and three. Just like you know, not full soundtracks, but just notable tracks. It's probably the for the best there. It, yeah, it seems like there's about a full vinyls worth from the three. Just yeah, absolutely. Out the top of my head there, but also nope. I'll g- give Ooh, yeah. shout out to that one from Fan Gamer because. As far as the design on the sleeves and stuff, it is some of the best artwork I've seen on one of these vinyl releases. Oh, yeah. Do you, Well, what is it just playing Crash that made you think of it? Because normally you'll get like a vinyl for a game we're like talking about or you're playing. It was or going on to Fan Gamer and seeing that they released a Jack and Daxter vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. they, they do a really good job with their vinyl releases. Like I've, I've considered getting the... Um, Vinyl release of uh, uh, fuck, brains dying now. Cause it's oh, been... I don't know that game. Fuck, brains dying. Oh, God. brains dying. It's now. One of my that favorite games. Amazing. One of my favorite games. It was games. a G- GBA game. Mm. Well, on that note, uh, when Josh's when your brain comes back, let us know because we need your brain for the topic of the show. 
Um, he has to drink more. That's how he... <laughs> Make your brain float to the top. That's the trick. In the skull. In the alcohol. Um, topic... See if I can drown this three-layer burrito. <sighs> Although a burrito, washing it down with some whatever you're drinking does sound pretty good. If you're going to eat a burrito. <laughs> do, with, do with, burritos. with whatever I'm drinking. Yeah. What is it, scotch or he's something? Drinking, he's drinking virgin, virgin's blood. Oh, man, that does sound good with a burrito. I'm <laughs> drinking virgin Shirley Temples. Joshua. <laughs> uh, Disgusting. So the, the topic this week is about how developers try to take their games and make them less disgusting well that's not true a lot of these games are not really disgusting but sort of the idea of modernizing a game uh, for well it's a little redundant but a modern audience um is is interesting to discuss kind of a case-by-cases basis thing i will say the uh crash is the example that we've been thinking about as of late just because we've been playing a lot of it um and it's a little bit more of a subtle example but uh yeah, I'm curious to see what are some examples that you guys have thought of as being particularly entertain interesting. Um, Shay, was there another example besides Crash that you were no? Nope. Thinking I wasn't was thinking Crash? of any specific example at all of when I initially pitched this topic. My um, obviously we were coming off a of Crash Four, um, which was kind of like the prompting of the topic. But I was just curious mm-hmm. because we've seen a lot of. Um, remasters this year, especially of older games and kind of revitalization of old IPs in the past year or two, that it would be interesting to see what companies could do to modernize games. For example, when we were talking about Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, while it's still an awesome game and the, um, the remaster is pretty, um to beautiful in certain areas it very much feels like a game of 2012 and so if they were to you know have found success with the re-reckoning release and they wanted to do a subsequent game if that was even possible how could they modernize something like that and you look at it same with um streets of rage 4 that recently released battletoads that recently released like a bunch of games have either just been remastered or they've gotten a new um title and i'm really i was really curious to hear what you guys thought would make these games um feel more modern and still be enjoyable in 2020 like if you guys think about some of your favorite ips that have kind of died or have been just put on the shelf and forgotten for years what could a developer do to bring it back and make it feel approachable in 2020. How do they bring Croc back, Rich? What's the secret? Oh, God, I can tell you the secret to that. Nothing. Keep it the same. <laughs> Croc 3, just give us what you got. Uh, no, it's actually funny you bring up... I'll, I'll, I'll indulge you on the Croc thing, uh, Morgan. Oh, I know. I know you want to indulge some Croc. I, I, I honestly think it's about as simple as finding that balance that Crash did, which a great way to, number one, gauge interest, I think, is to do what Toys for Bob did with Spyro and Crash, which is, like, put those games back out. Because if you kind of gussy up the originals, I think that gives you a good barometer to, like, think now in a modern setting what worked and what didn't work. 
Like mm-hmm. crash, like you talked about, gave you that indicator for where you're landing to make the platforming more precise or make the platforming being as precise as it is more manageable. Um, mm-hmm. They overhauled the life system and replaced it with that more modern death counter. Like it, it's a lot of quality of life mm-hmm. stuff. I think when yeah. particularly you're talking about platforming uh, games and also 3D platformers have come a long way since Croc 2. And they probably um, said, let's have, like, a little hook here, which, you know, with the masks um, play into, like, a little bit of a gameplay hook to switch things up. Like, this mask yeah, allows some, you to fly upside down. Ideas. Yeah. yeah, like, give Croc a gun. <laughs> Crocerator. And like it, worked, it worked for Jack and Daxter. I always imagine that board meeting was they were just looking at the cover of the Precursor Legacy, and then somebody just drew a gun in his hand, and everybody applauded. Croc is a, an interesting example because I think you're right. They could just bring it back, and I think they'd find. And what's in Croc's backpack? It's a nine millimeter. We finally learned. <laughs> what is in Croc's back? I need to write that down. What is in Croc's backpack? Does anybody know what it is? Uh, That's gonna be a question of the week next week. It's like it's backpack. like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction where everyone's like, "What is in there?" Like, yeah. everyone wants to know what's in Croc's backpack. You open it up, Banjo's in there. He opens up his backpack. Kazooie's in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you uh, open up Kazooie's backpack, and Tooie is in there. It's just he just carries he his Crocs around in there. Croc carries his Crocs. His he was ahead of the time because Crocs yeah, had was. not been invented yet. It's true. It's true, but, but now you can go back in time and remember, make it look like Remember when Crocs hadn't been invented? We were so innocent. Yeah. Did it, so mm. young. Didn't, didn't Justin Bieber just come out with some sort of Crocs? That I don't really pay like, attention to what Biebs is up to. We don't really talk anymore. Well, when I go to jerk off on Snapchat, uh, okay. I, see a, I see a bunch of, yeah, they had these. So new, you see this four times a day? <laughs> they have these new Justin Bieber Crocs that sold out like that, which I thought was fascinating. And they're not even particularly good looking, but they're be you know, it's are Crocs, Crocs ever good looking? How could I, they be? Yes, I agree. You guys, you guys want to know? They're the only shoes factoid? that give Uggs uh, a run for their money. But at least Uggs are comfy. The the amount of time that the first Croc game was released to when Crocs were invented is roughly the same amount of time this podcast has been going. Four years. Wow, that's fun. Mm. Yeah. A little random fact What we really there. need is Tiny Crocs, Crocs that old? I guess they Croc were. Croc came out in 97? Oh, I thought it was Crocs, 98. Crocs, the shoe, came out in 2001. Was Croc 2 it just really sad me. I feel like that's right. Only two Crocs. Our children will never live in a world without Crocs. Can we take a moment mm. of silence? With, without Legit, without what, some much-needed legislation. Croc really plagued came out by the Croc by the for way. the rest of their lives. Croc is... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is a sad world. I think, and on a serious note, though, I actually really liked Croc as a kid. I haven't played it since then, so I'm not going to speak to I haven't played it in years, but I did. I don't think I played much of Croc 2. I didn't think Croc was a... I played a bunch of Croc, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you... <laughs> Bunch of croc. That's true for sure. Uh, bring back tiny tank. Who's ready? Uh, uh, well, that is to, <laughs> to go back to your well, previous on, point, on. Rich. Before you go, before you go into tiny tanks, one thing I wanted to say, like we we're getting all our jokes in, is you mentioned that like releasing them just with a visual overhaul Those collections, allows us yeah. to see 
like what didn't work. I think that is really true of PS1 and N64 era games or even PS2 Xbox era games. I feel like saying that about games older than that wouldn't quite be true because there's still like that charm of 16 bit uh gaming. I think that I think of early 3D stuff it it's more important because it lets you see through a modern lens kind of like okay what are people liking and what are they like oh i wish this was better yeah yeah like imagine a world where mario wasn't nearly as popular as it is now and it, the franchise kind of ended after galaxy and with that re remaster of those three games then they release and they're thinking about making a new mario game then we could play those games and in theory be like okay well this didn't work about mario they could improve this in the Mario franchise, but obviously Mario uh, and Nintendo know what they're doing in terms of but that. Like they we exist in a reality where we just kiss their feet and thank them for the breadcrumbs they've offered us. It's true. That's a good thank point. You, sweet but Nintendo. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely true of other games like Crash because um, I didn't actually know this. There are eight main installments into that franchise. And I couldn't tell you, I, I mean, like, That's I it? could barely tell you the names of some of those in-between games from Warped to 4. Ooh, can we see how many I can name? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to be correct or not, but go for it. Because I can think of two, and, that, and that's it. I know um, Crash of the Titans, that's the only one damn I Damn it, you took one. Uh, Crash of the Titans, Crash Twin Sanity. Oh, yeah. Um, Crash Bash. Mm-hmm. Is Wrath of Cortex a thing? Yeah, Wrath of Cortex was a second. Or is that game. Crash Two? That's two. That's the subtitle of Crash Two. Um, yeah, those are the only ones I could think of. I know Crash of the Titans. I should also know that I never played it, but I remember seeing the box a lot. I think I worked at GameStop at the time. Um, and Crash Twin Sanity, which There's was something a called... Game Boy game. Yes, yes. There's something called Crash Mind Over Mutant. Yes, I remember that one too, actually. Like, again, I remember seeing the box. Twin, the Twin Sanity thing, there's a cute trophy you get in Crash 4 called the Twin Sanity Trophy when you kill this double boss, which is kind of cool. That's Crash the, uh... Nitro Kart. I forgot about that one. Oh, I have a copy of that on my bookshelf behind Crash me. Crash Tag Team Racing. Didn't know that was a thing. Crash Boom Bang. What the fuck is that? That's that's, just oh, that's a <laughs> DS game. Yeah, Crash Mind Over Mutant didn't know that existed. They made Crash Bandicoot Nitro Kart 2. Didn't know that existed. Nitro Kart is okay, which is why they put a bunch of that content into the Crash Team Racing. It's basically remake. the same thing. Yeah. Man, so you look at some of those DS titles and it looks like Crash Bandicoot got fucking hit by a truck in the face. Jesus. Pour one out for Crunch Bandicoot. Well, that's... Speaking of Crunch, speaking that's what they... That's what happened to the same exact thing happened to Spyro. They, after the third one, they just started squeezing out all these games that just didn't work. There was like well, one with Left Insomniac really. and a bunch of, of other people made Spyro games. I had a Spyro game on the DS, and it was it was fairly fun. But yeah, it was such a was watered fine. down version of the yeah. main series, obviously. But, um, anyways, to get back on track, yeah, I just I really think that. Obviously, that is one method that they could do, which is Rich saying that basically so, like a certain era of those games, remaster them and re-release them to see what didn't work. And 
in preparation for the new new game that they would want to do. Like but, Crash Four was but in, a perfect culmination yeah. of that, I think. But I think we're one thing is interesting that we're kind of missing here with some of these is that they have been failing for a long time trying different stuff to make Crash and Spyro good. Uh, we like to forget those games. That's the only reason I bring them up because they're sort of like a mediocre. There's like five or six mediocre games in between, and then a developer comes along You're, that cares about the. I don't think that's quite what it is because also like yeah they made same. a ton of those. It had also been a few years since they made one of those when they decided. Exactly. Yeah, I think ten. It's been ten. Well, that's what I'm saying though. But they had they had yeah, failed, no, failed, no, failed, failed, and then it died out. It, it, for it's it's not years. even just the failure. It's also the target. Like when they put those remasters out, the audience they were pointing out was no longer like. They they were scooping up a younger audience than us after that, who were just picking up these Crash games. Like, when they did the Insane Trilogy, the target was kids who played it in the 90s, like us. Like, the, yep. the, the goal was to rekindle interest in yes, people who originally yes. played those games. And hopefully pick up, you know, their their children, or, you know, like, along the way. It was, it was a different marketing strategy, well, and but it, some it of the, was successful. Yeah. And some of those Spyro games and some of those Tomb Raider games were earnest, mediocre games. They were tr- they were trying, you know. Um, I, I then, would imagine the, the devs were always trying. But but that's my larger yeah. point is I think to answer this question, I think it comes down the only one thing I see in common with all of these games because I think a lot of them are case by case basis is the right developer. I think it takes uh, the right developer taking hold of a franchise because they understand what people loved about it and where they want it to go. Um, and look for like toys for Bob. They knew after Spyro, they, they love crash. You can tell that they understand, you know, where they wanted it to go. And, I love money uh, too. It's the same with, I mean, in some cases like Capcom loved, they reinvented that back with four. Like we were joking about the resident evil two remake earlier, but that wasn't in reality. They reinvented resident evil with four and then they just kept making those until nobody wanted those ones anymore. Cause they weren't any good. And then they had oh, they reinvented it again. Five and six, yeah. Six was totally well, different I mean. and very bad. Five is fine. It's just not much of a horror game. It's an action game. Yeah, because they took all the wrong lessons from four. Yeah. Like four yeah, like had great it again, action, but... but it was atmospheric as hell. Five does not nail that. But the the larger point is that they had to they reinvented it from the tank controls to the over the shoulder third person game with four. Uh, four was the big. That was their modern, really revelation. Sure, they reinvented it again with the first person one that was seven. But in many ways, that's a second reinvention. That's not, you know, that's more farther down the line. So for me, I think it, when I looked at like Spyro and Crash and a lot of these games, for me, the big thing that was in common, if they like Crystal Dynamics with Tomb Raider, the reboot, the reboot of the Tomb Raider game with the reboot was actually really really good. I think it's a developer having a really good understanding of what's going on because every situation is different every well, it, every game it's not just getting it into the right hands though it's finding the right direction for it which is i, I yeah. feel like what we're kind of here to talk about like what what is the right thing when is it right to go back to the well and when is it right to go okay we have to do something very different because I, I i think that's what's crazy to think about crash 4 is totally let's go back to the well and modernize some stuff where i think tomb raider was let's make something totally different it's yeah just i, I the think world yeah, I I think saying a developer knowing what to do is such a watered down generic statement that like the, and I'm not trying to be rude to 
you, Morgan. I just, I don't think that offers any insight. I think looking at it at a deeper perspective, obviously, yes, the developer has to know what they're doing. Other, otherwise, the game's not going to be successful. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But like to, for example, to Rich's point where he's saying knowing the target audience, when we're talking about Crash, the reason why 4 is successful is not because of all the things that they tried before. That is not why it's successful. Because what they were trying to do is they were trying to put Crash to a younger audience. And this younger audience had had no experience with Crash. And then they're getting this watered-down version of the original three on Game Boy Advance and DS. They're getting a watered-down version of Crash Team Racing with all those pre-mediocre racing games. Um, and let, how how is someone supposed to enjoy those games if they're getting a watered-down version of what the previous generation, us, is saying so magical about those games? They weren't trying things. They were trying to find a new audience. I, that, I don't believe that's... they didn't stick the landing. Yeah, exactly. I, and then you look, the last game that they released, because I looked it up, that was not that remaster of the, the original three games was 2010. So they had the remaster in 2016. They released another racing game that none of us knew about. And then they released Crash 4. And that wasn't, that, to Rich's point, that wasn't because they were trying a bunch of things. They, f- they were going back to their original target audience. They realized, oh shit, this is who we should be targeting, not kids who are playing Fortnite because they don't give a fuck about Crash Bandicoot. And it worked. Um, I I think that's one of the big things there is if you want to revitalize a franchise, you need to know your target audience. And it's it's difficult because obviously you want to pull new people in with anything that you do because, I mean, you look at it from a business perspective, more people that come in, the more money you make, the more opportunities you have to make future games and the more assets you have. I mean, that obviously goes without saying as well. But if you're trying to target it to an audience that has n- no nostalgia with Crash, for that their first yeah. outing with it's Crash a is a watered-down version of it, and that can be said of any other game, they're not going to give a shit. You know, like, there's nothing innovative about that for them. No matter what little things they're going to try isn't going to matter to them because they have no prior knowledge of that. And if it's a kid version of what we grew up with, why do we have any incentive to play it? So I think knowing your target audience is such a big factor. I mean, you even look at the Sonic games that did, there were so many bad games. And then finally with Sonic Mania, they went back to what, yeah, that they went back to what made the original first few games so memorable and exciting. And I would be willing to say that that game did relatively well as compared to the old Sonic games. And it was reviewed much higher. Um, target audience is such a big thing that I think um, we don't think about when we are playing games or when we are even reviewing games. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with the target audience thing. Um, I think that's absolutely part of it. I I think the one thing that you said that maybe your larger point is I sort of agree with, but I, the premise, the reason I brought up all those crash games and spiral games that didn't work is because I feel like part of running those franchises sort of into the ground and having them disappear for 10 years allows those companies to sit around and be like, man, we need to bring this back. It's been 10 years. You know what? Is there an audience for crash? 
let's let's bring let's remaster those originals. Let's see how they do. Let's test the water. Well, that's and, yeah. And the, Skyland, it, and then uh, Skylanders was also a hit, but that was. I would say it's a young audience, but there's people like Rich that also bought Skylanders, so I, sh- I can't I didn't say it was buy just Skylanders. Kids. You weren't into the Skylander toys? No. I thought you, you said you were into about Skylander. that. I oh. owned the Crash and Cortex Skylanders, but I literally just bought the figures like they were Amiibos. I don't. Did you play the Skylanders games at all? No. Oh well, I uh, they were actually solid. They were nice, solid little games. My um, sister had played a bunch of them uh, for a while when we were in like high school. She was into them and I remember thinking they were very bland. Yeah. But um the there's a difference in the Tomb Raider is more of a reinvention where the crash is not so much. You're talking uh, about Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness for the PS2, right? Yeah, that was um but in many cases who knows if those crash games had been better, who knows how long it would have taken for them to you know, test the water and try and make another one of those games. But oh, those are two that, very different things. It's a, a re- huge contributing factor, but I, I think Tomb Raider actually is sort of the same thing because of things like Angel of Darkness. Or like there's a whole there's a swath of like PS2 Tomb Raiders that are just wet fucking farts. Yeah. Um, well, but and, they and, didn't reimagine Crash. Those they are called queefs, Tomb Rich. Queefs. Wet fucking <laughs> farts no, are called yeah, queefs. Wet farts are No, no, because no. they still come out your asshole. Um, yeah, that's true. Christ. Oh, Josh uh, is offended now. Also- <laughs> Josh, you need to teach uh, Morgan, the what the hell is was it? Legend? What was the Tomb Raider game that came out on the 360 that was also bad? Oh, the weird isometric one? No, oh, no, 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 no. You're, yes, Tomb Raider. Yes, I understand about Tomb Raider Legend. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that what it's called? There was also yeah, Tomb Raider uh, Underworld was also the sequel to that, oh, and they God. were fine. They weren't bad. They were fine. Agree to disagree. Eh, they were received. I think in the they were fine. Let's go to the tape. What tape are you going to? <laughs> Let's My see. Tomb room. Raider Legend. Nine out of ten on Steam. There you go. What? My uh, asshole. One in a bathroom. But what does the Metacritic for... say? What's the Metacritic? I didn't personally enjoy them, but I just remember them being received. Which is why they give them out for like ten cents. Eighty-two every Metacritic. Steam sale. There we go. They were fine. Uh, and they sold well, millions. I checked. I used to look, Rich. I was a Terminator nut. I checked the sales and everything back in the day. I, I personally didn't no care. No doubt for that the name had like you know sway, but that doesn't yeah. make it a good game. I'm sure those crash games might have sold okay-ish. Who knows? Anyway, they, the larger they did well enough for them to make like fucking five of them. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. So I consider like the crash thing is more subtle. I don't even know how you'd reimagine Crash really because when they As tried. A it it failed. I mean, it. I wouldn't say it failed because they just kept squeezing it out. But this is not a reimagining of Crash. It's a subtle evolution, which is is awesome. And Tomb Raider was a reimagining, and I think those are diff- very different things that are important to. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, it depends. It's a case by case basis on how you want to try and reinvigorate yes, exactly. that franchise. That the only reason I bring up the developers because I said if the developer part of targeting the audience or knowing if they need to do a reimagining or something subtle is putting it in the hands of a developer that understands the audience or they care about the franchise. And that it just depends on, to me, that's why the reason I say that broadly is because every game you'd give me is a different answer. They're almost they're always like a different case by case basis. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, which is why it's, it's a little bit trickier of, I do have some here. I'll try and get some comments pulled up here while you guys uh, throw some thoughts out at me. Cause it is it is fairly broad. It is a fairly broad spectrum. Um, let's see. I think we maybe we could probably agree that if you're not going to reimagine something, then the idea is you can either test the waters and bring it back and just 
find subtle ways to not frustrate the player with how archaic it feels. And I feel like that's what Crash did in a good way. They they allowed us to do the modern checkpoint system so it doesn't feel as archaic in that way. But it, it controls mostly the same. And the shadow thing is such a small thing. Like if you tried to explain to someone in why the shadow is a big deal, they'd laugh at you. But it's 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 oh it's, yeah, it really it makes the pla- like that is a precise platformer, and it makes it feel better. It makes it and feel it never way felt better. that precise, even though they wanted you to be precise. That's how Crash and they realized that probably going back through it. So, um, they realized that when everybody just walked across the ropes on a high road. <laughs> <laughs> that that was my favorite. Was the that the first level in three? Crash level? No, that's f- uh, like one of the later levels in one. Oh, there's a there's the first level in Crash Three. You can literally like run across the brick walls for most of it when you're going for the speed times. It's like it's comical how you can just run through some of those uh, early levels and just avoid everything. Um, but yeah, and and I think that's I think a lot. Again, I have a lot of respect for how. Toys for Bob is really approach those things in all their games with, uh, and I wonder what they learned from the the Spyro the Skylanders games because if you think about that, you know, they like money. <laughs> uh, well, Seems those like games made your takeaway. They did really well at first, and then I get it probably became unfeasible. Like all toy games, eventually they start really hot and then sort of become problematic. Um, all right, let's see what some comments we got here from the Sword Trump Instagram page. If you guys want to riff off of, by the way, um, I'm just injecting. If you guys want to add some other stuff before I start throwing these comments in here, feel free. Comment there... away. Yeah, go for it. All right, let's see. Um, JT Ruiz, one of our patrons and friends, says, "I think it's about sticking to the core aspects that made the game great to begin with, but also having fresh new takes on those aspects. It's one thing to turn it." out another sequel but it's another to completely evolve a game together which is ironic what we just said it's one thing to make another sequel it's another to evolve it how would you guys evolve something like crash completely into something different i wouldn't that's so you think it's impossible like, you're saying <laughs> i know i like i don't know what you mean by that like i have no interest in evolving crash into something different hmm. that's like that's such that's a, a vague like what well, do you, you want me to make it a shooter? I have no interest in that. I guess the larger question is why, if, if people are still enjoying it, maybe you don't really need to, you know? If it ain't maybe. broke, don't fix it. Like, Tomb Raider is was a different case, because at its core, is it still a third-person shooter? But are the original Tomb Raiders a third-person shooter? Because I'd, I'd posit that not they're not. Really? No. No, they're, they're kind of... They're frustration simulators. <laughs> they're platformers that didn't know how to, you know... Be a platformer. They're bad platformers. Yeah. No, they're good platformers, but they are not great shooters. The original Tomb Raider games had no, this the, weird the, like auto the original, the original ones are essentially Prince of Persia clones. They're just they're 3D Prince of Persia games, which is a good idea. Um, but yeah. a few years too soon. I guess. I guess. Well, they, but not even those, because the remakes of Prince of Persia were nothing like the original. But I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the, yeah. like the original, because it's, it's in that vein of very slow paced platformer is essentially what it is. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. The problem yeah. with Tomb Raider is it just, it feels too stiff. Yeah, I like that though. I like being stiff. Put that on a t shirt. I love those. I legitimately think those games are still great, but I know that 
um, I'm sure about the time. At the time, they were considered great. They wouldn't be anymore. People would generally cons- probably agree with you. They would think that they're too stiff and tanky and slow. And I get that. I know that yeah. I'm in the minority. I think with two with works that now. because they knew how to make levels that worked with the awkward controls at that point. One was too frustrating, and then two, I think, was the best they did with the, like, you know. You didn't like the way three started you off in the White House. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. I, I think two. I think two what? is like the only one in the that just like they they understood how everything they were doing actually worked, and you know worked to its advantage. Did Josh? What would they have to do for you? Maybe this is like a, this is more of an like I'm just curious to pick your brain on the topic. Yeah, I know you're not as big in the crash as some of us are per se. You don't necessarily hate the games. You're just not really a big fan of them. Um, but you do love platformers. Like it, what would you be looking for, for like a reimagining or an evolution of this franchise to make you interested? Or do you just think it's not going to happen? I mean, I feel like where the genre has gone is the hardcore platformer. Um, it's the one where you have to do a perfect run. It's, it's kind of the, the Meat Boys, the Celestes, uh, that sort of game is I kind of feel, I feel like that's what happened to the genre, even though the rest mm-hmm. of the Crash series just completely didn't understand that that's what they were doing as they continued to make more and more Crash games. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see something along those lines. Um, I think that DNA is there in Crash 4. Yeah, yeah. You don't oh, need you... that to get through the game, but mm-hmm. for the player who wants to do everything, it is asking that of you. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm, I'm, but along those lines, I'm thinking more. Like I, I, I understand. So you're thinking like shorter levels, but like more difficult, but shorter spurts, kind of a thing. I or or side scrolling, like because I, I like I understand. Of course, you've got to be running to and away from the camera, but those levels have always been, like... The I feel like on the PS1, they were the tech showpieces. Like, look what we can do now. And they were never the strongest levels. Well, you're always running from the camera, but toward the camera is the more... And there are moments where you're going 2D sideways, but it's... Yeah, generally but not speaking, a lot of them. always going away from the camera. Yeah, it's, the, it's the bonus levels that f- focus more on the 2D, yeah. and I do at times wish there was more of that. Yeah, because really? I, I so think that yeah, some of the, huh. I think it makes for stronger level design. I think you can design. do more interesting stuff with it, because um, otherwise you're just running down a tube. Like, okay, so if, so you answered my question. I don't think there's anything they could do with the crash formula other than like make it Mario. He just told well, you exactly what they well, could do. Well, you, well, I I don't I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just mean like what he's asking for is well, for making Crash it to sort of lose its identity. Is not making well, it Crash Mario. is still there. Like they moved Mario is no longer a side scroller except whenever it's still a side scroller. Um mm-hmm. like you can have one or two of those levels, but it doesn't need to be the whole thing all the time. Like Mario did this. They changed what a Mario game was. Yeah. By understanding uh, yeah, what yeah. was interesting about it and continuing to do different things that were still the core of what was interesting about about it. it the jumping. The okay. jumping feels good in Mario, so we'll make games where you have to jump. Um, so the, the big thing you're not a big fan of is the force perspective. That's what pushes you away from the games now. Yeah, though. I just don't think you're, you're running down a tube. If you really want to keep the running down a tube thing, I feel like some of the... 
I feel like there have been arcade games that do that more interestingly, you know, decades before Crash came out. The whole, we're going to go down a tube. It'll, it'll be fun. I um, like F-Zero also. That's, that's fair. To its credit, Josh, they, this one does a lot better job of actually giving you multiple perspectives in a level. Because predominantly with the first three games, it was like you're either, like you said, you're either moving forward away from the camera in one direction, you're moving towards the camera, or you're moving side to side. Um, This game has done a really good job of kind of blending all of that together, whether or not you want that. For me, I wanted it, obviously. I'm a big fan of the series. And I always was curious why they forced one perspective on you throughout the entire level. Um, and sometimes it, it dabbled a little bit in two if you were looking for certain secrets, like if you had to re- go back in a level. But they they did a really good job, I think, in this game of um, exploring that a lot more, especially with things like when you were going along a vine, you are, granted, you are still going away from the camera, um, but they will have certain sections where it kind of winds back around and then it'll have you going towards the camera. Um, the demo showed off that dinosaur level that really does that where it shows you all the different types of perspectives that you can play through. Um, granted it's still forcing a perspective on you, but it gives you different types of those perspectives. So I don't know if that's more enticing to you or it's more of the same shit, but it definitely adds a lot more variety in each level. This game does for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm just curious. Um, Beepo Man 182 said, I think it's love and reverence for the original. Every reboot of a franchise lives and dies by the respect for the source material. Just an example, uh, the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th worked for many fans of the series because it felt like those old movies. You can't take Uncharted in 15 years and try to make it into a linear corridor FPS because that's not what Try and stop me. And when they do, yeah, that would be weird. And plus the shooting is uncharted is the worst part of it. So that would be a quite of a interesting change for them. Uh, yes, I think, I think largely what he said is true. I think that there are certain franchises that have kind of skirted around that Mario being one of them or Mario has just done whatever the fuck it's wanted to do. Nintendo has done whatever they've wanted to do and they've kind of superseded that role, that rule. And I understand that's the exception, not the rule there because mario is so big but mario i mean they live they've literally whatever they've wanted to do with mario they've done and it's almost all been a success obviously not all of it but almost all of it has been a success so much so that people in 2020 are still clamoring for another super mario rpg and i'm one of those people let's go nintendo i I I actually I agree with your point, Shay. I think it's a good point. I do say he when he says that um, every franchise lives and dies by its respect for the source material. I think Nintendo absolutely respects Mario's source material, material even though the games are very different and, and strange. And uh, so I I think that's how they get away with it. Actually, it's because they respect and understand Mario so well, they can do so many crazy things with it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And they have a fervent fan base that allows them the flexibility to do whatever they want to do and flexibility what i mean by that is basically what rich said earlier nintendo does what it wants and we grovel at our feet saying give us more please father may i have some more that was creepy um (laughs) you don't get to say that to anyone ever oh i take any opportunity i can feels good 
Uh, Jay Marcano 18 said, oh, man, I believe it has to do with the nostalgia. The origin, the origin games have replayability to this day. Crash 4 just gave us that edge of what we need in 2020. Good old flashbacks and fun. Crash 4 is also a refresh on single-player games in a world of battle royale and team-based games. Um, Crash is just one of those games that you can get remastered and you keep playing for personal and friendly competition. I will say this. If they had just made crash just like the remastered trilogy i still think people would have liked it and it would have sold well that's why i respect the fact that they were able to even the things they tried that didn't work for me like i respect what they did because you know let's be honest platformers are a little easier to uh (laughs) platformers are probably a little bit easier of a genre to evolve i mean platformers just they they stay they work for years and years and years it's a very simple concept um and some other genres are not so easy. Is there is there a franchise that you guys were thinking of that you would love? And if you guys want to respond to this, go ahead. I'm not trying to interrupt you. But is there something you guys would think of besides Croc that Rich had mentioned, Josh, either Shay, or you guys that you'd wish people would bring back and modernize in, in a way? Yeah, absolutely. I wish they would bring back Shining Force and make it like oh, yeah, yeah. make it be the the tactical strat game that it was like they they still have we've talked about this they still have shining games being released but they are nowhere near yeah. what they used to be there these b rate jrpg b tier i should say b tier jrpg adventures which i'm not saying is a good or bad thing it's just that series is nowhere near where it started um i would absolutely love to see a modern um shining force in that tactical strat field but one thing i really quickly wanted to say um about what uh this commenter said is i think nostalgia is a factor but i also think it is a secondary factor i don't think it is a primary factor um i think some of the other things we've mentioned are more important and the reason why i say that is because there are people who come into the later games granted this isn't quite a revitalization um aspect to it but for example um i came in on uncharted 4 never having played the first three games and i absolutely Mm. loved uncharted 4 i didn't need the source material to enjoy that now granted it's a little bit different of a situation there and i understand and acknowledge that but i think nostalgia maybe would have carried me through more to uncharted 4 and maybe i would have even held it in higher regards than i did but also um I don't know. I think nostalgia will sometimes carry us through, but I don't think it's always going to be the case. I think there are other factors that are more important to make a series be successful in 2020 or 2021 um, that was popular in previous generations. And I think one experiment that's going to be interesting of that, actually, that I want to mention for the future is granted they they dropped the ball with Andromeda, um, but they are going to be remastering the original three uh, Mass Effect games. If those do well, that's and, official. Which that, obviously they they're that? going to do. I well. missed that. I didn't know that. Holy shit! I missed that. How did you miss that? I didn't know they were, they officially announced that they were remastering the Mass Effect series. Dude, don't a, you don't you host a video game podcast? Shit! Oh, it just oh, it's a day ago. It's brand new. Okay, Mass Effect Legends. No, they've it's been. Not. It's not a day old. They've they. It was originally going to come out in October, and they announced. Yeah, it's been pushed. 
without announcing the game. They were like, yeah, that's not going to make October. And everybody was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I thought it was just kind of a rumor, like a heavy rumor. No, no, it was, def- mm-hmm. well, it was a rumor a year or two ago, but they announced it this year that it was coming. Like, that was one of the biggest news droppings of this year. But anyways, um, if this remaster trilogy does well, which it does, or it will do well, and it makes those um, flaws apparent from the original trilogy, and if they bypass a lot of the mistakes they made with Andromeda, what they could do to revitalize that franchise. Because I know so many people would love a new amazing Mass Effect game. Uh, Shay, I I do think it's important to note too, and this is what made me the most interested in that remaster, is that they cited the reason they're delaying it is because they want to spend more time on the first game uh, because they don't feel that it holds a candle to 2 and 3 in its current state. It doesn't, dude. Like, I I remember playing it, like, uh, a few months before I came to Japan. Um, I was playing my 360 copy, and, like, it's a good game. The story is amazing, but just the gameplay well, got it is so a boring. PCS just because RPG. it's not modern. Um, but, well, that's what it makes me wonder, is, like, when they say that, like, how much work are they doing? Are they changing the combat system of the first game to more mirror what 2 and 3 do? Yeah, I don't know, I know what that you could do Josh's without a complete overhaul. That's what I'm saying. Like, how much work is going into this? I mean, I, and, I do know what you could do. You could just essentially tune it so it's the end game combat for the whole game. Because near the end, the combat works because you finally have enough bonus accuracy that your guns shoot well. Yeah. Um, so you could do that, but then there'd be no progression, which it kind of sounds like that's what they did. They're like, okay, we're going to fix this garbage ass, you know, so, like 3% accuracy guess- at the beginning of the game. That's probably fine. It, like, you maybe don't need that much progression if the shooting just feels good all the way through. Yeah, it feels better the whole time, because that's essentially what 2 and 3 do. You don't... Accuracy is just not a stat. So, I mean, I'm they wondering if it, they could just yeah. cap your accuracy to begin with, and then your progression is all the other stats or something. Because it sounds like a knock, but really what happened when, when they were designing 2 was like, this needs to be a little bit less of an RPG. Mm-hmm. And it ended up benefiting the series. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. One was interesting because like by 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 the end of one, you had like max accuracy. You had. uh, You could essentially cap your heat reduction to the point where you never ran out of ammo, so you could just constantly. Yeah. Constantly fire without ever stopping. It was like, God, I you love- became a god by the end of Mass Effect one. Essentially, I loved Mass Effect two's like. I guess sort of. um rehaul of like you know what the how ammo worked in that universe that was so funny being like heat sinks yeah some say mass effect 2 is a perfect game and they might be right mass effect 2 is pretty great i like mass effect 2 it's definitely the perfect mass effect yes some would say it's the best game of the xbox 360 generation Mm -hmm. i think me and josh prefer the first mass effect but i don't think it's a better game i like the story in first but it's just yeah the combat again it only works at the end i like it at the end but it only really works for like the back half of the game. Yeah. One thing I really liked about, <clears throat> excuse me, the first Mass Effect that I don't think I would be in the majority here is you actually dropping down on planets with your little rover and just exploring yeah. the planets. I really fucking loved that. I don't know. I like, do I, too. A lot of people I loved, hated it. I love the pl- I, yeah. I, I don't get why people hated it. I loved the planet survey system of two, to be honest with you. I, I remember talking about this all the way back in the day. I loved being able to survey the planets and each planet. I surveyed had, for days. 
Yeah, dude, I fucking love that. It like it was it was fun monotony and they gave you little blurbs about each planet and um it wasn't it was like a very very shortened abridged version of essentially what No Man's Sky is actually now that I yeah, think about it. Yeah, you can it. you can shoot some space goats in your car. Give me your resources. <laughs> That's right. But like I really like that about Mass Effect 1. Like granted sometimes it was a little bit long-winded, but just exploring the planets in your little rover was fun. It was, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure guys if um, I'm sure that I that get a exploration shot of system. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, that the, exploration yeah. system kind of paved the way for something like No Man's Sky as well. In some ways, yeah. I I liked it too because like big worms would be shooting out of the ground, and like you could find little buildings you could walk up to and explore them and yeah. stuff if mm-hmm. you were dead people. But I will say, going back to that game later on, that didn't hold up as well as it did at the time. So maybe it's those worlds are I was pretty like, empty. Oh, these are yeah. I was like, these are really barren. There's but in nothing. a modern sense, and and to be fair, on the Mass Effect Two train of what Shay was talking about, boy, to this day, I still get a little bit of dopamine every time I just hear launching probe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> get excited when there's a good probe. It's like, huh? yeah, give me that. Looks good probing. <laughs> Um, I will say this is actually a funny comment that I don't necessarily agree with, but things you hear in video is. games, but you can't say in the bedroom launching. Probe. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that next time <laughs> their main, what's going on? Found a helium deposit. <laughs> <laughs> and then you mix in another game. Oh, is that a radio? Uh, we must construct additional. Yeah. <laughs> God, you guys remember all that shit so well. I couldn't even jump in on the jokes. I don't remember all the Ugh, My life for ire. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey said, I think the best way to uh, to revive a dormant franchise is to not. They seldom live up to the expectations. Old yeller that shit and move on to the new gimme, a cornucopia of new things, and let my memories be fond memories. I have a habit of... Oh, man, this is a weird word. Flossinosifilification toward revival. Flossoram, it's a Pokemon. Um, but they didn't. I, Flossos, I, I, <laughs> Flossin, This is the best part of the podcast. At first, I thought it was like combining. Well, you know what's amazing here is I. It's a made up word, obviously. Even, no, even through context, no. I can't figure out what the fuck you're saying. He's saying flocks and Austin. You want you want to type flocks and Austin. A hill hillification is what he's trying to say. I am the Lorax. I speak for the trees. So this is you know it's funny. Jeffrey told me that he was going to fit this word into the comments to try and make Morgan pronounce it. And congrats, uh, bud! It worked better than we could have imagined. I'm proud of you. We're real proud I'm of look you. Look it up right now. Let's see. I actually have to know what this. Oh my god. The action and habit of estimating something as worthless. Good That's right. Flocks and Austin. That's my new favorite word. I see. I saw. You're gonna have to say it once for it to actually be your favorite word. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Flocks and Austin. Hillipilification. No, fuck that. That's on it. That is not. Ain't nobody got time for this shit. Uh, I thought it was like a joke on the Filipino Johnny Depp. That's a weird throwback, but we're not going to go into that. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know if you'd want to necessarily give up on them necessarily. It seems like a very drab outlook, Jeffrey. Jeez. <sighs> I will say this on that note, Shay. I was bummed to read that 
the because we're talking about all these remasters that did really well, the the medieval remaster uh, reviewed poorly and sold even worse. And I'm worried we're not going to see anything else. And we were kind of hoping they would test the water like Spyro and Crash, and we'd get another one. But it it kind of didn't do great. Um, I was kind of yeah, baffled. They yeah, yeah. I think I kind of honestly figured that that would be the case. Medieval was kind of one of those gems from the PS1 era. Like if you try and buy that game the PS1 game, or at least before this um, game re-released, it was very, very difficult to find, and it was fairly expensive. It was kind of a collector's item, and it's it was one of those cult classics. It's very yeah. Tim Burton-esque. Um, the humor in it is awesome. But yeah, it's it's a cult classic at the end, of, and at the end of the day, it was not a super well-known game. And so when they announced it, of course, me being a PS1 lover that I am and a lover of this game, I absolutely was ecstatic and I was like, I hope more people experience this game. But I also knew that, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things that it's just stays a cult classic. It's like people who are fervent Tim Burton movie watchers. I mean, they exist. Those people exist and those movies are awesome too, but it's also, those movies are a cult classic. The exception being a nightmare before Christmas. Um, that movie is very popular in many parts of the world. Um, well, but the rest of his Willy. movies are a cult classic. So Willy Wonka sold really well too. So did, uh, sold really well or did really well. So he did made the Charlie fucking... in the chocolate factory. Not Willy yeah, Wonka. Charlie. In the oh chocolate yeah. Factory, yeah. Dude. Sorry. Cause you feel dare. foolish. <laughs> what was he? He also made the one where giant did was that weird dance at the end. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. And that also did really well too. That was um, your, Frame of reference for Alice in Wonderland. I, I was scarred. I was, so sad. I was high at the end, and I saw. I love Alice in Wonderland. I love the original cartoon, but I did not like the Tim Burton. Yeah, one I love there. Opium too. Uh, and obviously the book, but I I was high when I saw it in the theater, and that dance at the end really fucked me up. It was like a weird CGI dance with Johnny Depp, and it just ugh, I did not. Was God, not that movie's a train wreck. It's Jonathan Depp to you. You're not his friend. They, they made a sequel to it, which is even weirder. What? Um, well. I mean, I understand why it's Disney. They they literally well, they made make sequels money, to yeah. all things. So, my Even wife, she was honest with me about it. She's like, "I know it's not a good movie, but I like looking at it." And I'm like, "You know what? I respect yeah, no, that. the art design is amazing, <laughs> but the movie itself is just like that's a very it's Tim Burton thing is having that sort of horrible. over the top production level." But- yeah, but that's the weird thing about Tim Burton is like that movie doesn't even feel like his artistic side. It feels like a very it totally does. No, no, I'm talking about like the the like it feels like he kept showing them his movie in like a in like a screening room and people kept complaining until they made it the movie that it was. It feels very like friendly for ma- major audiences and like just really condensed. It doesn't feel like it has the right spirit of the original Alice in Wonderland to me. I don't know. I haven't well, seen no, it, it doesn't recently because enough to it tell has you that. kind of the opposite. She's like a grown woman now, so obviously it can't be the same thing. Like, and so they're going to try to remake it, but also. Which is okay, yeah. It, it's it's just a mess. Like the whole thing of that series is, you know, a kid who's trying to understand a world that doesn't make sense, but she has her own logic and stuff. And in this one, literally nothing makes sense from start to finish, including the main character. It's just like, oh god, it's horrible. I I don't, I don't even want to. Yeah. He he swings and misses. Like, he's one of those big whiffers. Like, he's like Emma Shyamalan. Like, it's either amazing or crap. It's just like, there's like no middle ground, really. 
Uh, Fuck M. Night Shyamalan forever after he botched The Last Airbender. Oh, God, you and The Last Airbender. Yeah, that, that dude sucks. I want to hear about that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. Yeah, the great no, series. You know what? He no, recovered. His, his so. kid hates him now because of that. Yeah, it's true. We'll never forgive him for doing that to Avatar. I won't. We get it. Ugh, I know there are people out there that feel that way. James Cameron did an even worse job. Hey, there's, there's, it's almost unrecognizable. <laughs> that joke took way too long for my brain to register. I was like, James Cameron did an Avatar: The Last Airbender movie. I was trying to figure like, out which direction that... I wanted to go oh, with that setup, but the other Avatar got it. That was literally what just happened in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> it is confusing. I wouldn't want people looking for that movie. All to synapses firing. Um, they're trying. I. They're trying, Jennifer. I mean, I. I, I understand again, we've we've gone over this over and over again. People like money, but the fact that they're doing more of that horrible, horrible movie It's not good. Why 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 Pokemon Why God space. You know, people like consumers uh who listen to our podcast, you could stop watching those movies and spend your time buying the medieval remaster and play a wonderful wonderful fun game it's challenging but it's fun and it's beautiful i i can't agree with that shay look i like medieval as much as the next guy but that's sort of like my larger point they gave it to a very a small developer statistically, that made anything, statistically just, speaking i don't think they did a particularly great if I'm, job if i'm looking at the numbers if you like it as much as the next guy you don't like it at all <laughs> rich <laughs> are you telling me you don't like medieval no i think medieval's fine i just i didn't I'm kind of in the same boat with Shay. Like when I heard they were remaking it, I thought it was a strange choice and I'm glad that for people that wanted it, it's there. And I did not think it was going to do particularly well. Yeah. And they gave it to a developer that had not made very much of anything. Yeah. You said good. that. Yeah. You said that already. So, uh, saying again, they gave it to a developer, that, a developer. <coughs> if only yeah. That's why. For- if only they give it to Toys for Bob. Uh, all right, so let's. let's Why are you move on like next. acting like Toys for Bob made like the greatest games of all time? <laughs> Whoa, you watch your mouth, Rich. How dare you? They're on a hot streak right now, coming off that Spiral trilogy and the Crash Four. Toys for Bob is hot, hot oh, man. I just fine. like their art. I like the the way they treat older games with their art. I liked it a lot. Um, they have really good artists over there. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about this topic before we take a quick break? No, I think I got all my points out. I will say now just to get all the, well, let's just be done with the crash Four talk because we've talked enough about it over the past couple weeks. Um, I did end up settling on a higher score for that game with the score that our patrons wanted us to use as far as like frame of reference, buy, skip or sale. Um, I, I ended up being higher on that game because the last two worlds are really incredible and, uh, going back and thinking about those worlds. And even though they sort of exacerbate the things I found about frustrating about that game, like the fact, like getting a perfect run on some of those last levels, that I'd rather die. They also exacerbated some of the things I think are great about the game, like some how the brilliant some of those level final levels are. The design, like some of those futuristic worlds where you're hopping back and forth, or like the very last level, you're switching between every single mask in the game over the course of this crazy... It's just, it's really legitimately brilliant stuff. Um, so yeah, I, uh, as much as I think those criticisms are valid, I still think just playing the game straight through, it is a great game. 
Yeah, for sure. The like I had said previously, the sequencing that you have to do in some of those levels, um, I primarily attributed it to the bonus levels, but also in some of the main levels, the sequencing is just off the charts awesome and brilliant. I absolutely love that. Um, and the talk is not finished because Rich and I are going to be doing a wonderful Chomping After Dark after this. And that will <laughs> oh, be yeah. That's sure cool. are. Oh, and to be fair, I have some fun polls later, but I'm just saying in general, I wanted to wrap that up. Yeah, for sure. Good sort of for sure. All good points. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great game. They did a great job. And, and the only reason I complained about I it so much last game. week, it, the only reason I complained about it so much last week, Ashe in particular, is because I think if the collectibles were just a little less maddening and maybe that some of the side character stuff wasn't there, I think this would be probably one of my favorite platformers ever. Instead, it was just, I think, a great game. And I I'm agree, old. Morgan. I really hope that Dingo Dial spinoff gets off the ground. <laughs> Wait, you did talk earlier about too. Croc and Dingo Dial. Maybe you know, get Croc a Dingo vacuum. Croc. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe they can anyway, do a spinoff and do a Dingo Dial cooking game, like Overcooked. No, you know what? Never mind. My my brain just finally fired all the synapses, and I figured out the Croc Croc three name. Anyway, it's. Going off our earlier point of what's in Croc's backpack, the name of the game is Croc with a Glock. Croc with a Glock. There it is. Bada bing, bada boom. We got it figured out. We'll be, we'll be back more. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be back more uh, with more of the Chompcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this commercial is brought to you by Chomping After Dark, our brand new podcast where we deep dive on video games talking about the story in full detail. That's right, but we don't just talk about games. We've also talked about many wonderful movies. We talk about things from AAA titles to indie darlings to movies that just plain made us laugh. Yes, we are still waiting for the cat's butthole cut. If you want to check it out, please head over to swordchomp.com or any of the major podcast apps where you listen to podcasts. And if you feel like, dang, I just want to get this podcast two weeks early, head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp where you can get access to Chomping After Dark two weeks early. Yeah, we're back. That's right. Uh, we've been talking about Hades because Shay just beat Hades again um, during the break, probably secretly during the podcast. But uh, <laughs> but no, you guys have been playing something called Eichenfell, I guess. I wanted to lead off with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's with Eichenfell? Sorry, I thought that was the joke you were leading into. No. Bitch. That was just a confirmation of, yes, I played Eichenfall. Oh, no. Uh, so, Eichenfall, I have no idea what it is or what it's about. So, Josh, you're going to have to tell me. There you me. go. Um, Eichenfall is a... I want to say tactics RPG, but that's a little generous. It's not like a tactics RPG. It's like... It's like a JRPG, but each battle is a sm- is a tiny tactics each battle's grid based grid thing um where you are on like a three by what is it 20 it's like three three by 20 something something. along those lines it's a long grid yeah you're on a you're on a grid so you're starting on the right side just like you're you know in in any other jrpg um 
with your turn order at the top so you can kind of see who's going to attack next and whatnot. Um, but you're on this tiny little grid to plan out your attacks for, for you know, how, how you need to position, how you need to get, you know, your AOE effects to hit multiple, multiple enemies and uh, your heal effects to hit who you want as well. Um, is that how it plays, like a, like a tr- traditional turn-based tactic game? Is that what yes. the gameplay feels yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, pretty much like that. Okay. Um, the, the, the combat is fairly light as far as tactics games go, but again, it feels like it's more of a replacement for a JRPG combat system than just a, this is a tactics game. Yeah. Sort of a sort of a it's thing. meant to be more accessible. Yeah, I guess? yeah. I think it. I like it because it's again, it's positioning itself as a you know, the alternative would be just picking your attack out of a menu. Um, yeah, and I I think it's I think it, Look, I think it works Rich is here. Be careful what you say. He gets real mad if you talk shit on JRPGs. All right. I love picking my attack out of a menu. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, granted, you still pick your attack out of a menu in tactics yeah, games. Yeah, I it's did a just, bunch of it before this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, you know you're on. There's positioning to take in, take into account instead of just standing there and you know trading yeah. punches. Um, but yeah, it I, is I, a kind of again little kids saving the world sort of a thing. But although it doesn't seem that you're saving the world here because they the stakes are significantly lower in this one. You're trying to find your sister who is missing. Not that those are low stakes, mm. but you know, <laughs> Jeez, compared Josh. to killing God, which is what you do in every yeah, other JRPG, yeah. it's lower yeah. than that, for sure. That's for true. Sure. I like the combat being kind of like this bite-sized chunk because it doesn't feel like as of now. Because I, I think Rich and I have probably only played about an hour, hour and a half, not too terribly long. Where yeah. you're probably much further than we are. That at this point in time, it doesn't feel like the battles get super long like a jrpg typical turn-based style like if you're fighting a boss you could be there for a while uh so far it feels like they're in bite-sized chunks that way you can come in Mm -hmm. you can do a little bit of an area you find a cat you pet it you save and then you turn off the game and come back he's a warm kitty yeah also there's timing stuff in those battles as well, which I like. Yes. There, there's timing-based prompts to do more damage, to guard, very Paper Mario-esque. Yes, yeah, yeah it's, it's got mm. a lot of that in there. And also, it's super... This is one of the strictest implementations of that I've seen, where A, it's the very timing strict. windows are tiny, and B, the difference between blocking and not blocking is, is a massive. Lot. It is massive, massive. Taking um, huge chunks out of your health. Yeah. So it's difficult, you'd say. If you're not doing the timing right, it is very difficult. Um, yeah. To, to the point where one of the difficulty modifiers in this is to just automatically do the timing for you. Because the, the gameplay is kind of oh. balanced around you almost always getting that timing correct. If or at you least, miss it, at least you take in a, the Yeah, at least in the, 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 the small window. They've got... They've got like a perfect window and then they've got like a nice, which is essentially like half damage. Um, Even if in that first area, if you get, if you miss the timing on blocking like three times in a row, you're fucking done. I really like that though, because I feel like with so many JRPGs or just RPGs in general, the first 
five to ten hours of a game is just spent you amassing resources and items to prepare for later in the game and you're like why did i amass all this yeah. shit when i'm just gonna sit on it where this game like they give you like the the heal system is basically mushrooms that you find throughout the world um as of right now and some Which other very items unique as well. to video games and it's <laughs> yeah i've never heard of something like that before but um yeah it's it's cool because right off the bat you're going to be using those mushrooms to heal yourself as you're trying to learn the system and it seems like with the way the game is designed that it's going to be consistent that you do that because each attack that you do and both the enemy does um is different like the main character basically the premise there is like josh said she's looking for her sister um her sister joined this witch school and you go into this forest and you're you're rocking up to the uh, school that she's at and you get attacked by these shadow creatures and then suddenly these powers awaken in you and there are these witch powers that are just explosive and nobody's ever seen how powerful you are right off the bat you know just having found your witch's so they give powers. you a knife and send you on your way Right, yeah, yeah, you you get a pocket knife, and that basically becomes your wand at the beginning of the game. But as you unlock different spells, the the hit icon becomes different. So not only do you have to work out the timing for each spell, but each enemy you fight um, is going yeah. to have one or two different attacks, possibly even more, and you have to work out how to defend each one of those as well. So it's very, very likely yeah. that you're going to have to use those healing items right off the bat. And I really like that because I that's one thing I've never gotten about RPGs is how you just sit there and you just amass all these items and then you, yeah, you're you never put out them. to use them. But this game is like, nah, get used to using them because that's what you need to do if you're going to survive this game. And I yeah. really like that about the game. Yeah, exactly. The oh. uh, um, You will get healers later on um in the game but the first one you get can't target herself so you still want to like you have items handy. you still want to have items and you still you want to you kind of want to baby the healer like to make sure she doesn't take a ton of hits because if you do that's going to eat through all your healing items because you can kind of yeah use the use the you know the spell heals to keep everybody else topped up but then it's yeah, that the timing really makes it you know, you you've got to focus on everything cuz everything can deal a decent amount of damage to you. Yep. Um you've got to make sure you're blocking those you, you you get buffs later on. Um you have to have the timing for that. You've got to get your timing right on the heals to make sure you're not getting tiny little baby heals. Um it's just it ends up being It just, I don't know, it feels mm -hmm. more engaging, kind of like, you know, just like, you know, uh, Super Mario RPG has the same thing. It's just like, it's not the most difficult thing in the world, but you have to be engaged because you can't just mindlessly, you know, yeah. spam you, through it. You know, you know what it reminds me of, and maybe this is not the perfect analogy, but it reminds me of this, is like... I feel like typical RPGs that we play right now generally are like driving um, an automatic vehicle 
where like they're still rewarding. It gets you from A to B. The journey's fun and everything, but everything is you're kind of handheld throughout the entire game. Whereas this game feels more like you're driving a stick shift or a manual. Um, for all the young listeners out there, that's when you have to shift gears to make your vehicle go. Um, but it's it's very much like that, where you have to pay attention to the timing of when you shift your vehicle. But when you do, you realize you actually have a lot more control over your vehicle mm-hmm. and it's a lot more rewarding when you are actually paying attention to what you're doing while you're driving um as you get from a to b and it very much feels like that to me this that this game is like driving a stick shift vehicle where everything you're doing in battle you have to pay attention to literally everything um i'd say actually the positioning as of right now at the beginning of the game is probably the least important thing because they're still doing a little bit of introduction um you know it's not at that level of where things are gonna one or two shot you which i'm sure the game will approach at some point later in the game just because it seems like it's going towards that territory but what i really like is that um that the game is trying to make sure early on that you understand that this system while Mm. it takes a little bit of learning is going to be the bread and butter of this game and you need to get used to it now there's no hand holding about that like they're not trying to hand hold you they're trying to say get used to it because this is what you're going to be doing and one thing kind of as a side note that i really love about um this game is they it seems like they've kind of just done away with arbitrary numbers like when you are buying the items to heal you one item heals you for four hp so it costs four gold like there's no arbitrary correlation between how much it costs and how much it heals like i never like it's not a big thing it's just it's kind of like a cute thing that i really like a 12 hp item to heal you costs 12 gold you the first enemies that you fight the very first ones give you one experience point and as you start fighting harder enemies that level of experience that you get progressively gets higher and higher i like how everything like there's no arbitrary numbers that they've decided they've just gone from the ground up i really like that about the game it's it's such a minute detail and i'm sure 90 percent of people who played this game wouldn't give a shit about that but it's something that i they just, they just keep things simple they do yeah and i like yeah. it they don't well, inflate it, numbers not just, for not just simple but like kind of like you were saying you feel like you have to use items in this game late later on for you'll sure. kind of if you're playing well enough you can get by mostly with like the spell-based heals, so you're not going to have to use the items as much as early on, um, but they're still super useful. Um, yeah, more, I haven't gotten to so, the like, point between yet. battles and stuff, but I haven't um, gotten to the point where I've gotten another character, and I'm sure I'm on the precipice of that. I was playing last night and ended up passing out on my couch as I was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just gotten to the, I think I had just gotten past the point where uh, I was got to that portal um that's i think that's where okay. i got so yeah. like i'm just you're, yeah at the you're beginning right you're right at getting your second character i'm um, very early on i'm start still i i just got the lanterns if that gives you perspective like i just started the you're, Forby, started you're not much you're not much farther behind than i like you're about at the point i'm at to be excuse me to okay. be completely honest with you so yeah um the, uh, i'm really loving this game so far yeah you, we were talking slaps. about the, the yeah well yeah the soundtrack is amazing but, but kind of before we move on from combat a lot of the positioning stuff you do is kind of staying out of your own way type stuff 
um, because each of the characters have you know a variety of spells that only target Our certain alien. areas. Um, so you need to make sure you've got room for, you know, if you've got two characters that want to attack the same person, you've got to make sure there's room for them to actually get in there and attack, um, which is kind of a tactics-based thing, like, oh, there's only the four spots next to this guy that you can attack them from. Um, it's it's less than that because, you know, since you're using spells, they try to... And it, it's a more interesting positioning than that um, for for the most part. Um, okay. Also worth noting on that point, Josh. One thing I like they do is once you move, you're not locked in until you attack. Yeah, you can backtrack to the start of the turn. So if you move somewhere unfavorable, you could be like, "Oh, that doesn't work," and you can kind of go back to the start of that turn before you moved. That's a mm-hmm. really good point. I didn't think about. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm so <laughs> thankful for that. Yeah, that's great. You can move wherever you want in the thing. One thing that's interesting with that, I don't think, I don't think any any enemies are that early on have them, um, but later on enemies will have traps for spells and so they'll put those yeah, traps on there and if at any yet. point while you're moving around you step on a trap your turn ends because you just triggered the trap and you'll take that damage and uh it it adds an extra layer to the to the to the you know positioning to the movement while you're okay doing so stuff. the movement does um, become more prominent then okay that's yeah, what i figured yeah, they, was they add more well. and more layers that all kind of feed onto that basic it's, it's a fairly simple system but they do a lot of interesting stuff with it later on mm. yeah i'm excited i'm excited to explore more of that combat that combat seems like very very uh, not generic it just seems very plain as of right now other than the uh timing of the attack stuff but obviously i know with these types of games that or I should say we all know that the combat will get more complex and the strategies will become um, more and more thorough and difficult. So I'm really excited for that. But as Rich was saying, and as you told us, Josh, as you mm-hmm. sent us an audio earlier this week of the soundtrack, that soundtrack is fucking amazing. It's so good. It's really good. They're, they do, especially that it's, they go on a, few different directions for different zones and whatnot but especially early on they do this really cool blend of acoustic and chiptune yep. type music that is just so good it's unique but it's still it's just it feels perfect like why i don't know why we haven't heard more stuff it's also like this I, I talked about this recently something similar to that is stuff we saw in like chrono cross years ago that I yeah. think holds up so well on that soundtrack. Yeah. I think the soundtrack is the best thing about Chrono Cross by a mile. They did yeah. such such great music for that game. Yeah. Yeah, the music in this game is phenomenal. Um, so much so that, like, I was originally, like, watching One Piece while I was playing. I was like, you know, I'm going to pause this for a little while. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to listen to music wanna... in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, absolutely love the music. One of the other things that I really, really um, enjoy about this game is the isometric view. The way, at least the beginning area is, it feels very much like a Zelda game. I don't know why, but I like, I know it's like anything that does isometric view is automatically going to feel like old Zelda, but um, especially with these kind of graphics. But yeah, it just, everything about the game has felt, um, at least in that early area, minus the story has felt very much like a Zelda game. And I've actually really enjoyed it so much so that like, I think after I beat this game, um, 
I would like to go back to an older Zelda game because I I played uh, Link's Awakening and Link to the Past. Those are the only two older ones I played, but I think I want to play one of those other older ones because they're they are fun games. They're good games. I mean, I've barely played some of the well. Like, you the know, original. you still don't. You still haven't Oracle checked Breath games. of the Wild off of your old. Uh, yeah, the Oracle games are really yeah. good. They're um, they're weird. They're weird. Like I'm. I like the, those yeah. are the cap. Those are some of the Capcom joints, actually. Yeah, the Capcom Capcom did some Minish interesting great things. Too. Yeah, they did some great interesting Zelda things games. with Zelda, but they're really good. They're really strange, all bizarre takes, but all really good in fun, their own way. Fun thing to note about Oracle of Ages and Seasons, it being the only Zelda with two uh, games like that, like essentially Pokemon esque versions. When it was first unveiled at E3, there were going to be three of them. Hmm. Oh, weird. Yeah, the, that was the the whole thing. It was gonna be like you know the Triforce. They had a Triforce, red one, yeah. a blue one, and a green one. And they we eventually the green one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. little Strange. random known fact: uh, Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks is still a pretty ass game. Yeah, I don't. Know. I feel like a lot of people know that. Yeah. Damn. It's cool. <laughs> Spirit Tracks. I think you meant to say Phantom Hourglass. I think Phantom Hourglass is better. For sure. Yeah, I think they're sure. both better than they got um, credit but, for, but they're, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they had, they I will had say some, that some jank, but yeah, I, I really like them. So. I will say this: I, I really like what I've seen of Eichenfell so far. Um, I definitely want to keep going with the game. Um, I wasn't it's sure. Game like, Pass. We should probably know. I haven't, that. I haven't played the other games that like Josh was telling us about, like how these, like these three guys. They were all in the same college dorm working on their respective games. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this game. But so far, I, I'm really loving it. And I'm definitely curious to play more of it. So thank you for pushing us to play it, Josh. I'm definitely going to keep, keep at this game. Yeah, same yeah. Here. It seemed like it was definitely your sort of thing. So I, I figured yeah, you'd be into for sure. it. For sure. For sure. Yeah, but um, other than that, cool. well, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, Rich has been playing a lot of Star Wars Squadrons. He has a review up now at SwordChomp.com. Um, he's in the Star Wars, the Star Force, if you will. No, uh, Trump Star Force. It's no Steve Carell uh, Star Force. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Of course. Um, Nothing. It got nothing. Nothing for me. Okay, fine. It's not called Star- God. Why is the name escaping me right now? It's um, Star Wars. No, no, no. It's, oh. I know what I know what that's called. Let's talk about the the Star Force thing. Um, Space what Force. What are you talking about? Space, oh. Space Force. I had no idea what the fuck um, you were talking about. That's why I didn't yeah, help you. Totally, totally left me. Yeah, you left me out to dry there, buddy. Uh, well, Shay said Steve Carell. I thought, anyways. Um, so Star Wars Squadron, I was a little surprised, I'll be honest, although you're when you explained it to me, it makes perfect sense, but like they had made a big deal about this game being in a VR and we're big VR guys, but you were like, no, I don't think I'm going to take the VR plunge on this one. Nah, I just, I really, I like cockpit games like this. I wanted to play this competitively on PC. I ended up going with the PC version. That That's hardly the highlight of it, though. Um, review is obviously up. Uh, I actually like this game a lot, though. I did give it a wait for sale recommendation. And oh. I can kind of give you the blurb of why that is. I, to me, this is kind of like my my perfect fucking Star Wars game. Like, the, the cockpit sim stuff feels good. 
All the ships feel really unique. Okay. Um, it's forty dollar price tag. I okay. think it's a little light on content. Um, and EA's already been pretty upfront about not putting out more content. This feels like a game that EA abandoned before it released. Uh, mm. And one of the biggest telltale signs of that is there's a ton of unlockable cosmetic stuff and no sign of microtransactions. And we're talking about EA. Uh, yeah. Um, the fact that they didn't monetize this tells me they never planned on it being successful. Uh, I think the dogfighting feels really fucking good. The story is about eight hours long and it's decent. Um, it's not anything special. It's more of a way to teach you about those ships and how they work. And it gives you some cool big spectacle moments like blowing up cruisers and all that. But the the fleet battle mode, which was clearly the big thing they were going to tote at first, is their 5v5 multiplayer. Um, yes. That feels like it was built for esports. Uh, huh. Okay, so it's like it's fairly well tuned for competitive yeah, the, stuff. The idea is each team enters with, you know, five pilots and two... Uh, basically frigate class ships and a, a cruiser like a star destroyer for the empire or a uh you know a, a rebels like you know frigate and it's kind of a push and pull where you're destroying enemy ships there's also ai ships despite the five players i should note coming from these these frigates um and you're destroying enemy ships to raise morale and eventually you get your morale high enough you get to go on the attack and push forward to try and destroy the enemy's cruiser okay. um and the first team to do so wins. And, like, there are points in the story where they teach you how that stuff works. Like, when you are targeting a Star Destroyer, the first thing you want to do is, uh, you know, go for components. You need to take out a certain amount of components before you can just do overall damage to destroy the ship. And there's a good... It's like, you, like go for the engine first. Go for the go shield for the... generator, go for targeting, go for X, go for Y, go for Z. Uh, and I think that stuff feels good, but when I say a built-for-esports mode... Playing this with strangers is a fucking crapshoot. I've had matches that went for an hour and a half. Oh my god. Like Because they were just bad or the, really there's good? There's so much push and pull, and like when you're not really able to communicate that well with your team, it's hard to really plan an offensive. And That's crazy, get that meta man. going, because like you're like, we need bombers, we need fighters, we need X, Y, Z. And uh the the other thing that i think makes the game feel really interactive you need more so for multiplayer than the story i think you could get by without this stuff in the story mode if you really wanted to um one of my favorite nuances of the ships are the way you balance power you have a meter in the corner of your cockpit when you go in that'll be in an x-wing it'll be weapons shields engines and okay. you could rebalance your power to the point where I could route power to the engines. And so my shields are now less effective and my weapons are less effective, but my ship's a lot faster. And you could do that with hmm. any uh, components of your ship. So if like, yeah, so you can just tinker it kind of the way yeah. you want to play. Well, for what you need in that moment, you're changing it on the fly. Yeah, okay. And I gotcha. then you go jump to something like a TIE fighter. TIE fighters have no shields at all. Like, that's a Star Wars canon thing. So they just have yeah, engines just and weapons. Um, so they can do the same thing with engines and weapons, but they also get a second trade-off, which is they can temporarily route all power to one system, so I can completely kill my engines for a few seconds and make my weapons ridiculously powerful. Super strong. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And that you think that stuff works well? Interesting. Oh, I think it's like, really effective. And, I like, the, the main dogfight multiplayer mode is simple, but it feels fucking good. And okay. that's like 
just spinning, taking out these ships, just targeting somebody. There's a lot of customization options, um, even to the point of like cosmetic shit for your dashboard. Like in my TIE fighter cockpit, I have a protocol droid head hanging from the mirror. <laughs> uh, you like decorated. I like that stuff. I like having those little personal touches. And you, yeah, you can also coolest trooper. Yeah, it, no, there, I have an Ewok bobblehead on my X-Wing dash. There you go. Um, and yeah. there's even, uh... Daisy Ridley or something. Yeah. What, well, that doesn't exist. Oh, fuck, you're right. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, He's all mad. No, how dare you know? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, like, pure skins for the ships and for your pilots. If you want to see your pilot on the victory screen, I guess, and have him look different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cool... And there's even components for the ships that will straight up change how uh things work for example i changed my hull type on my x-wing to a dampener hull which reduces your overall health but it takes enemies longer to lock onto you okay um and then you can change your weapons to the point of i think my lasers on my tie fighter i changed to almost like a gatling gun style where they take some time to like wind up but then they fire continuously for a few seconds sheesh okay uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of cool options, a lot of cool loadouts. And then, you know, you have, uh, bombers, you have your basic fighters, you have the, the A-wing, which is like an X-wing, but faster and lighter. There's not a lot of content. That's the main, the main reason I'm hmm. telling people to wait for a sale is there's not a lot of content and EA has been pretty upfront that, uh, <laughs> they're not going to add more. Yeah, it was sort of like this is hmm. Yeah, I see I see your point. Like sixty dollars is kind of like this game is good, but you can wait until the holidays when it's like twenty bucks and enjoy what's there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well that makes sense. Um What makes sense? How much forty how much forty bucks? How how long would you say you've been playing it, would you say? Like how many hours roughly? Well let me just check Steam. Well, Steam, I, I leave my Steam on and it says I played Hades for 7,000 yeah, hours. You also <laughs> leave your laptop on when the podcast is over for hours. You confuse me as a human. Uh, I played about 13 hours. Am I supposed to turn it off? Yeah, um, you can at least hang up the call. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Well, <clears throat> I was going to make an appropriate joke, but it won't work. Um... Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, cool. What's um, what's this I Am Dead game that you and uh, Josh played, Rich? This is a recommendation from Josh. Josh, you talked about this a little last week, right? Your cup of coffee game? Yes, yes. <laughs> briefly. We, we briefly got into it about it being a, uh, like a hidden item or a prop hunt sort of yes. a game. Um, but didn't didn't go into it too much. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I remember you talked about like how it's kind of about like peeling back layers of objects to look for what you need. Um, I just really like this game. I it's mean, like it's a ogre. nice. Yeah, un- oh, everything is an onion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ogres have layers. Duffel bags have layers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is an onion. I like it. I want to uh, vent some frustration to you, Josh, because I wasted at least a fucking hour. Um, looking for that whistle bead in the pile of rabbit poo. Uh. <laughs> and I really thought about killing myself. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, you did the hover technique. I did that at first, and then I realized on closer inspection that 
it 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 looks enough different that you can just zoom in a little bit and I scroll th- around. I thought it was in the poo, and I was peeling back oh, the layers no. of each individual <laughs> piece of poo. Oh. I really want to isolate this conversation out of context. It's really uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, you've, you've played too much World of Warcraft. Obviously, you, it's hidden in the poop. Can you yeah. can you explain what you're talking about? Get digging into poop. I don't. I'm trying to. Okay. I understand. So the that, main context of the game is you are playing as this character named Morris, who has passed away. And J- Josh gave most of this last week, but the main concept yeah. is the island has this guardian spirit who has now been a part of the island for a long time, and you need to find somebody to replace that spirit. But there's rules around this, and you haven't been dead long enough to simply take the spirit's place. So you need to find other lingering spirits on the island. All of them are people you knew in your life, which kind of makes it interesting when you're reflecting on their memories and stuff. So you go to the locations um, where these people, their spirits are lingering, And in order to find their spirits, you need to find objects of significance to them. So basically, you watch memories of people close to them, and you sort of see, like, how they remember that person and an object that's tied to it. And then you need to search the environment to find that object. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And the the, the poop one in particular is about um, the director of a campsite who was really strict um, for, I, I don't want to get into spoilers, but but for re- like he had reasons for being strict about this, but you know a lot of the campers were kind of terrified of this grumpy old, you know, Greg camp director. Um, and anyway, someone he had he had blown the whistle at someone's kid, at some lady's kid, one too many times, and so she stole the pee out of his whistle and threw it next to uh, like a rabbit den where a bunch of their poop was to uh, to hide it from him. So you have to search for this in like a field of rabbit poo, but one of the game's main mechanics is that you're peeling back the layers on things to like find objects in bags and stuff like that. Oh, so I see. So I was literally the poo. I was searching through the individual pieces of poo. For <laughs> it this. lets you search the poo. That's the crazy like, thing. Yeah, but like, there's never anything in there. You just reduce it to nothing. And I'm sitting there for like there's... 45 minutes like an asshole. <laughs> There wasn't like an indication, like, hmm, you're not doing the right thing. Oh, right. I should have known. I'm like, it was an oversight on my part, I feel. That's okay. You just want to live out your fantasy of being Laura Dern from Jurassic Park, digging through the mm-hmm. Triceratops poop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, every day I open my door and I scream at my neighbor <laughs> getting his paper, we have a T Rex. And then he threatens to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> we have a T Rex. Alan, they have a T Rex. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So, anyways, I, I am dead. You're warm, you're curl up with a warm cup of coffee game, mm-hmm. as you say. Totally. What is it? See, that's weird. I feel like we drink coffee very differently because I just chug it down really fast in about 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's because you're barely um, a person. And I, just, <laughs> and I just, I get a really good high and then I take a really mean shit and then I'm ready to go with my day. Well, that's okay. how I do espresso, um, but I shoot it up. Straight into my heart. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I do. I treat it like espresso. My wife will drink coffee for like three hours straight. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? At this point, it's just cold water. Well, that's what Uh, I got this Yeti for. It'll be hot all day. People are weird. Anyways, how do you feel about the game overall, Rich? I like it. It's um, $20. It's on Steam. It's probably other places. I haven't looked. Mm -hmm. I think so. I don't know if there's a console version. Um, 
it's a light game. You beat it in four or five hours. Depending uh, on how much you want to do, because there's a bunch of options. Depending on how much poop stuff. you search through. Yeah, well, depending on how much poop you search through, and also they have uh, <laughs> they have riddles in each level that. that I really like. Where Yeah, I didn't find them until the, the campsite, and then I went back and did a bunch yeah, of those. Yeah, the riddles are really fun. Uh, they also have achievements, but those ones I don't think are implemented as well, where it's just about finding all of a certain type of item. Um, that the, the little Gremlin spirits, right? Well, no, 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 no. Those are their own thing where you have to like slice an object to a specific shape like, shape to match a shape, which I like. But there are also achievements that are just uh, like in the lighthouse. There are a bunch of crocs. You have to find all the Crocs. <gasps> Crocs! Yeah. Crocs are bad. No, I don't even it's think like, I noticed those Yeah, it's ones. like a yoga studio. It's like, it's, and then I think it's to find all the thermoses at the campsite. It's like whatever the most of, whatever item they have the most of, it's to find all to, of yeah. them. Um, which I don't, those were not as interesting to me because it's just a matter of clicking on all the things. A, th- a thing, yeah. Actually, the campsite was not thermoses. I think the campsite was these like little... Those uh, luchador, luchador Um yeah, because there's a ton of those. Yeah. but One uh, of them is inside a snake. Yeah, which is hilarious because the snake has eaten it, and you can tell he's eaten it from the outside, but then you can yeah. also scroll in to, <laughs> to find to it. To see where he'd eaten this toy. But uh, the riddles are really fun because they're always just like titles of a thing, but like in a, like, you know, strange ways to word what the object is you're looking for. Um, and they also involve a trickster god of some sort. Yes, yeah, a uh, some sort of some sort of giraffe jester or something. He's the giraffe. Yeah. Ju- Ugh, that's horrifying. But uh, yeah, it's it is it it is it's a fun little thing. I think to find all of that, it took me like seven hours, and that's to find like basically everything. Um, Sounds about right. So yeah, it was good fun. I I enjoyed uh, I... being in the world, so I kind of I spent some more time there. Good fun. Being dead has never been more fun. Mm-hmm. 2020. Ain't that the cool. truth. All right. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, I will save my spiral stuff for the pull section because it kind of fits well in there. Um, but yeah, we'll be back with some good laughs and we'll round up the polls. Hey, uh, motherfucker. Show, so. I want to talk about the games I played this week that I told you about. You bitch. You didn't tell me about it. I Hades. did. I said I beat Hades and I finished Super Mario Sunshine. You bitch. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. You didn't send him in the chat for the I show. Did I did send him in the chat. But uh, that's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, fr- I thought I'm sorry. That we had... from me. I am also glad you bring up Super Mario Sunshine because no. I also beat it weeks ago. Right. No, so quit playing the, your fucking games, podcast, Mr. Host, and let us talk about the games no. we want to talk about. No. Normally, everyone will send me a bunch of games the day before, so I didn't get that this week. Okay, well, <laughs> I already said I wanted to play them anyways, or talk about them. Anyways, Super Mario Sunshine, Rich, let's talk about it while Morgan continues to play video games I... while doing host duty. Um, after all the shit he's I'm giving me I'm not playing games! I am not playing any... What are you talking about? I like Super Mario Sunshine. I you want to you you, see you my... find anything fun in there? Oh, oh, digging around? Where is? I've been sick. <clears throat> that, that that's where he stores okay. his game controllers. He was putting it back in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I understand the confusion now. He thought you were playing a WarioWare micro game. Mm. 
Oh, okay, I gotcha. No, I'm I've been messaging someone about uh, another Skype I have to do later on, but nah, you're good. Here nor there. You're good. You're good. Anyways, um, Super Mario Sunshine. I'm really glad I finished it. You know, I was talking with Rich about it. I had this revelation. Like I was, I was struggling to do this one level. And one of the new abilities mm-hmm. that they introduced from 64 to Sunshine was this uh, twirl jump. And I just, I had this realization, hey, I could do it on this one level. I'm struggling on it. It was good. But overall, I just wanted to say a quick few things. I really, minus the getting stuck on that one part and the few issues that I brought up before, I really like the game a lot. I understand why a lot of people didn't like the story because it feels like just this peculiar like vacation story adjacent thing but i really liked the way that super mario sunshine played out and ended um i like the fact that um throughout most of the game you are not chasing after bowser even though the end of the game ended up being you fighting bowser of course that part was a little bit disappointing spoilers um but yeah i i really really enjoyed the game i love um the remaster looked really good it looked really good to be honest with you um a lot of those environments were beautiful so uh, i still if, think that's not even a testament to the remaster that game's vibrant as hell to that's begin true with. that's true yeah i would say to anyone who is kind of on the fence about picking up that game because it's like oh it's three older games for 60 dollars um i would definitely Definitely pick up that game for sure. Um, the the trilogy pack because Sunshine. If you never got to play Sunshine, it's definitely a fun game. It's worth your time, especially if you like Super Mario sixty four like I did. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that I'm done with that game. Finally, have played that game. That's been one of those games that's like someday I'll eventually play it, and then I finally got around to it. It's nice. I, like that's one of the nice things that I think a lot of people don't realize with these remasters is there are a lot of people out there like me who just missed the games just because I didn't have the console or I Mm -hmm. was playing other games at the time. So them getting re-released, especially on a system like the Switch, it was super convenient for me to play it on the train to and or from work. And when I came home, of course, and I finally got to experience the game that I've been wanting to play for years that just never made it around to it. And so instead of having to go buy a brand new, well, not a brand new, an older console just to play one one or two games, I was able to play it on the systems I own. So remasters are a really, really beautiful thing for that reason. Totally. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you already played the game, over. like like me and Rich were saying, it's it's a tough sell for 60, but for someone not like for you me. who's never played them, that's... <laughs> yeah. But for someone that's never played them, yeah, that seems like a, a slam dunk, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Play Galaxy yeah. either. So no, 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 no. Galaxy is something yeah. I want to play uh, a little bit later. I need a quick break from Mario. Um, as much as I enjoyed Super Mario Sunshine, and I just played Crash Four. I think I need a small break from platformers for a little while. And then yeah, you probably and, yeah. do. I, yeah. I think Galaxy is yeah. more approachable, but uh, you still probably need something else in your life there for a moment. Y- y- yeah, take yeah, a rest. Yeah, Palette yeah, cleanser yeah. or something. Um, yeah. But. I, I'm excited to eventually get around to Galaxy, but um, I just wanted to mention very briefly on Hades, um, really quickly, that um, I I was under the impression that once you beat beat the final boss, um, 
after your run that you're done with the game and then Josh, yeah. you know, kindly inform us that no, that's not quite the case. Um so I ended up doing a little bit of research into the game um to figure out kind of like the whole system and I was messaging the guides this, but basically for anyone out there who's still playing it, and I know that some of our people in Discord are still playing the game, but once you beat the main game the first time, um and you ascend out of the underworld, you are eventually going to be thrown back into the underworld. And I won't, I won't talk about narratively why that happens. I don't want to spoil that for you, but um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because once you do that, then you, when you go back out into the dungeons to fight through, to try and get back to the surface again, uh, as Josh had told us privately, one of the things that happens is you can uh, check these modifiers that basically make the game more difficult. Um, but that that's kind of kind of the process there. It's called turning up like the heat index, basically, is what it is. Yeah. And it's Diablo, yeah. And you um you I don't I'm not sure if you get rewards out of it or not, but I have a feeling yeah. like that each time you uh each level they've got like different tiers that you go up, it will re unlock um basically all the rewards for beating bosses okay for each weapon oh okay gotta get that blood somewhere Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's really cool like it it prompts you to want to play this game again and i think that like from what i've read and what i've experienced that's pretty much the point this game wants you to spend hours and hours in it which is very very different from other super giant games because they were so um they were they were so narrative driven that like basically once you finish the main story you're done but the way that this game has oriented it itself it's so different and it's it's an, a really cool thing i don't mean to retread what we've already talked about uh too terribly much but the narrative just keeps building and building and compounding on itself and um you you actually have some influence some agency about how certain stories in that game plays out with some of the other characters which i thought was really cool because the first x amount of hours seems largely that basically you were getting this story by talking to these various gods or these various characters throughout the game which is cool like we talked about it gives it breathes new life into these mythological gods and entities that you've heard so much about but also being able to kind of control a little bit of that narrative is really really fun and it makes the game interesting for sure and it gets you more invested as well um obviously when you get to the end of the game there's so there's some narrative points there and that keeps you wanting to play because there are certain answers that you want and in order to get those answers you have to do multiple playthroughs but also because of the way the gameplay works where you uh, are prompted to use every single weapon. Um, and not only yeah. that, as the guys we talked about last week, you can un- unlock certain variants of each weapon. You are prompted to do that. You're, um, you're prompted to use different boons. Um, it's, the game is there to, to keep you for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's, it's something that I thought would eventually get tiresome because you do fight the same enemies over and over again. Um, and there, there are enough different types of enemies to where it still feels fairly fresh. 
But I figured yeah. at some point after doing 20, 30 runs, it would get old. But because of the different, um, the different weapons, that game's use, really good at shaking it up. They do yeah. the different Especially weapons, you use, the different of, boons, the one different of the difficulty level modifiers of they give like, you. You could be in there for hours, and it's not, it's, yeah. it doesn't not feel fresh. It always feels fresh. Yeah, one one of, well, not just one, but one of the difficulty modifiers they allow you to turn on, just depending on how you want to change it will give enemies extra abilities if they have armor. So essentially every enemy in the game will have a new ability you've never seen before. Yeah. Um, which I saw will that. really shake things up. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, well, it's, it's a new ability per tier. I think they, I can't remember how many tiers that option has, um, but they've got that for normal enemies. And then they've got a similar thing for bosses where like each, each boss for a zone will have, new abilities as well um so there's there's still new stuff to to learn as you go um for yeah. like the super yeah. high tier uh playthrough yeah and cool. it's going to be really interesting to see if one of us or a few of us get up to that level because i would like to have played the game to see the narrative out entirely and i understand that's going to take many many hours I don't know if we will finish yeah. it this year, any one of us, because there are obviously other yeah, games Yeah, I was out. planning it's on a game I'm picking at it for literally the rest of same. my life. Yeah, and then one day I'll die. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and, then I'll, and then I'll go to Hades. Yeah, yeah. but no, this is, this is a game I want to unlock everything in. Because um, it is just... That compelling. Yeah. Yeah, like there are very few games where, you know you can see how much of a time investment it's going to be. And you think, yes, yeah, I'm absolutely yes, I, I want to go that. to there. Yeah. Um, a lot of them you'll see, you know, this sort of. And be just, like, eh. you know, ocean of content and go, eh, yeah, no, not for me. <laughs> um, but this is, this is definitely one where I see, it and I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm perfectly up. fine. Letting this game be something I live with for a long, long time. Yep. Yeah, and one thing I want to say on that note, and then we can uh, table the Hades talk until we get further. Um, I managed, you know, we were joking about it as we came back from break. I beat it for the first time last weekend, and then I just managed to beat it again during the break. Um, like, I went to the bathroom, played a little bit, beat it on the break. I I don't want anybody to feel daunted by, like, we're talking about there is so much to do in here like that that can potentially sound really daunting but you can keep it as simple as you want if you beat it one time and you feel like you have enough of the narrative that's perfectly okay too like um you don't like and there's a the lot thing, there the the thing is well, there's a lot not a lot there and you only need to explore as much as you want to explore the narrative it still feels fulfilling if you beat the game one time and mm-hmm. you you complete that objective, quote unquote, and then your your theory in your mind, you're like, okay, I've I've had enough. I've had my fill of this game. That's enough of the narrative to have. Well, I, not not even getting into that. I I mentioned this briefly last week, but I don't know. I you didn't have as much context for it at the time, um, but I really love the way they changed the difficulty on this game for people who just who want the story, um. That's true because too. the the god mode on this, I think it, I'd have to I'd have to go in and check the actual percentages, but I think it increases your damage by like a few percent, like 
I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's like between two and four percent each run. Um, so you are getting stronger just by playing the game to the point where eventually you're just you're just going to be enough stronger that you're going to make it to through just the game. Slap everything, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is a really good way to handle a roguelike game like this to make it because it's still designed for you to play it a certain amount of times at the very least. Yes, so it makes it something that even if the challenge just is too much. You're you're just eventually you're gonna be you're gonna in get a over better that spot. You're gonna you're just gonna be strong enough that it is it becomes doable. And I I like yep. that as an option for this. Um. Yeah, I just I I think they I think they nailed that as far as how you would change the difficulty of a roguelike, which is kind of a, a weird thing to do. Um. Well, of a narrative roguelike, because this is one that you're meant to play a bunch of times, but eventually kind of have the story, like just have the whole picture, um, which I really like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I like that they included that God mode because it definitely allows, like you're saying, someone who wants more of the story than the gameplay to do yeah. that and the thing is you can switch that on and off at any point in time so let's say you beat it once or twice and you're like okay i've had my fill of the combat then you could switch on that god mode and you're like all right let me get the story now and i, I love that about the game mm -hmm. as well because there are some games that lock you into certain diff difficulties or abilities from the beginning of the game like this the, the yep. t this time that you play the game you're going to play it on hard the whole way through are you sure yes okay cool let's do it uh this game doesn't lock you into that um with the god mode which is awesome so mm -hmm. Um, overall, there's, like I said, I think this, we, we can leave it here for the time being until, um, we start getting much further in the game, but th there's a ton of content here. It's very customizable in the way you play and what you do. Um, it's, you know, like I said, all the way back when we, we first, Josh and I first tried in the, uh, the, uh, early access, I shit on the game. Um, I absolutely think it's worth $30 now. Um, especially if any of what we're talking about is compelling to you, you will get your money's worth for sure. And on top of that, it has an amazing um, art design by Gen Z, uh, J-E-N-Z-E-E. -E -E, that's the name of the art director. <laughs> um, I realize it kind of I know it's like confusing with, with the, the other Gen Z being a thing. Hey, you never, you never, okay. never know. Maybe someone's like, is Gen Z the new the new uh generation now? No. Um the the story is absolutely compelling. What? The uh Greg Kaza Greg Kasama. It was already a generation. Oh, that's true. Gen Gen Z from accounting. Um <laughs> uh, Greg Kasavan did an amazing job with the story and the characters. Um everybody there has done an amazing job. So the game is absolutely worth thirty dollars. Yeah. Um one hundred percent worth thirty dollars, but um, yeah, that that'll pretty much wrap up Hades for us. Uh, Rich, you said you mentioned that yeah, there's a game forgot. that you um, wanted to talk about. Yeah, I completely forgot. Uh, I played like two hours of the Solitaire Conspiracy. Um, oh, and, you did. Yeah, I did want to talk about that uh, because I think it's really neat. The things I'm going to say up front. Uh, the you hate Solitaire. Well, you didn't know what it was. Um, or you told me, I know what no, it you is. told me you never played, never played it. Yeah. Okay. It. Well, straight up from the start, it's solitaire. It's got like a spy themed kind of story around it. If you don't like Greg Miller, I wouldn't recommend playing this cause you get a whole lot of Greg Miller in this. 
because he's bas- mm. he's narrating the entire thing. You stare at Greg Miller's face for ninety percent of this game. Really? Uh, so okay. be prepared Damn. for that. Um, this is his life changing role right here. I guess so. <laughs> he's he's gonna get it, famous. It's strange, now. but like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so the thing that I think is really unique about this is because for the most part, you are just playing solitaire. Um, rather than just going with straight suits like a normal game of solitaire, where you're matching suit to suit. You're depending on it, you know, doing up to four suits at a time, but the suits uh, rep- are instead represented by different factions of spies, mm-hmm. and they all come with different abilities. Um, so each ability plays out differently in the sense of once you have the ace down for that suit, the ability is activated on your higher tier cards, your jacks, your kings, and your queens. Um, okay. And there's an ability associated with each of them. So for an example, um, there's one, uh, uh, suit where their ability is, they're like the stealth spies. So the thing is built around when you play one of those cards on top of a pile, that card vanishes randomly into one of the assorted piles. And okay. the next card you need for that suit is put to the top of that stack. Mm. Um, there's one where it t- it takes even the ace off the board for that entire suit and randomly reshuffles all the cards. So if you're in a bad position where you can't play anything, it's kind of a good way mm-hmm. to reset it. And there's as you keep going, you unlock more and more um, of these spy factions that play differently and you'll sort of find different ones that work well together. I haven't played a whole bunch of it, but it's solitaire. Like I've been playing it casually while I do other stuff and I it's like you, 11 it's bucks. Solid. Solitaire. Solid. Yeah. yeah. Here. Sure. Well, get, come on, Rich. Give him that one. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't All right. terrible. It, I agree. That. Let's. Can we get a sound effect for when something isn't? It wasn't terrible. Our... That's like what my wife says after sex. It wasn't terrible. Had <laughs> worse. Had better. And you ruined it. You ruined your moment, Morgan. You had one. You took it away from yourself. Can't, can't take this moment from me. I can only isn't take the game it from only like... me. <laughs> yeah, it's out on Epic. It's like twelve bucks. Yeah, I, th- I heard that the game was pretty short. It was only a couple hours long, so... Yeah, I don't doubt that. I think the main goal is you're supposed to, like, get to level 15. There's experience based in completing mm-hmm. different matches. I'm, I've only played a few hours. I'm, like, level 6 or something. Yeah. It sounds cool. Sounds cool. Um, I actually was really curious about that, so... It's... Solitaire is fun, and this... Uh, do- I need like, to learn how to play Solitaire. <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, the ability... Ba- and the game will teach you how to play Solitaire, Morgan. Well, that's true. I need to know the basics of solitaire. I feel like there's some solitaire nerds out the there. The basics. Like, there's no more yeah, than the basics. It's not solitaire. It's not a hard game. It's fucking solitaire. I know, but I just love the idea. Do you, there's do some you know how to count up? Like yeah, exactly. Can you, hand, can you count from one to ten? Um. Oh no, we've got too much. Uh, <laughs> I broke him. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. <clears throat> that game's doing really well because Greg Miller's throwing all of his uh, social media behind it, and it's a good game. So I, I hear it's from listening to their podcast, Mike Bithell and Alana and everyone, it's selling really well. So Yeah, cool. no, well, that, there's not a lot you can do to mix up solitaire, yeah. but I think like the power-based stuff that can cord- sort of shift things in your favor or like breed a little chaos into it is definitely an interesting idea. They were joking about how they want, he next he wants to tackle Minesweeper. So just going to... And take them all on the minesweeper conspiracy. <laughs> ha! The minesweeper. That's already been right. done. <clears throat> hey, I got that reference. Good, you got it. 
All right, uh, let's go ahead, and I guess we can officially take the break now, uh, and we will be back with Zippos. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shay. You know what I was thinking about this week? I want to spend my money on a lot of different things, like a wall clock, a face mask, a puzzle, and a t-shirt. You know where I could spend that kind of money? I was thinking about webbed feet, but if you want all that, you can find it at store.swordchomp.com. Oh, store.swordchomp.com. And I've heard they have a bunch of different logos, too. I've heard they have the Sword Chomp logo, the Chomping After Dark logo, and they just recently got up the In the Blood and the Evoking the Sublime logo as well. The rumors are true. Well, that's good. That's good. So if you out there are interested at all, head to store.swordchomp.com. That's store.swordchomp.com. See you there. Uh, We are back with more of the Chompcast. We're going to round this up with a lot of hilarity, hijinks, nonsense. That's pretty much what the polls are good for. Um, And there was a nice crash theme to this week's polls as we sort of wave goodbye to the crash band. Again, crash the film from the 90s. I don't. Eh, I thought it was. It wasn't the that 90s. game. That movie came out in two thousand and four. Two thousand and four. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Nice try, though, Rich. I mean, I really. thought it was like ninety eight or ninety nine. Two thousand and four. Two thousand and six in Japan. If you want to be specific, you had that on your sleeve. That's. I, you you know, yeah, like how did you know game. that so immediately? Well, <laughs> weirdly enough, like I took a video productions class. Uh, two of them back in high school. And that was one of the movies that we really discussed because of the way it was shot. And it's just one of those, those random pieces of knowledge that has stuck in my brain and will forever stay in my brain. Crash the movie um, came out in 2004. And it's, a, it's a solid movie. It is a solid movie. I liked it. It won Best Picture that year. Did you know that? Yes, it did. It was the Best Picture winner. Yes, it did. Uh, yes, um, so yes, the cra- this I did a bunch of polls about Crash featuring Don Cheadle, so uh, get ready for those. Um, no, there was a, uh, I did find this really, first of all, this is random, but there's cyberpunk monster energy drinks out there now, Rich, so make sure you go swoop all those up. No thanks. <laughs> and this is, hmm, I guess I should do this, I'll, I'll do that next week. Um... Yeah, no, it's, uh, I thought that I saw those cyberpunk energy drinks at my store and I was just excited to see cyberpunk stuff there, even though it's, I don't drink monster. It's not my thing, but I don't It's not monster. So. I did drink a monster when I played Death Stranding. It's true. I tried a monster and it actually was Again, bad. that's also not a monster. But once I had the heart palpitations, I had to go, you know, figured it probably wasn't worth it. Um, well, I did find this cute picture of Crash riding a Spyro, which made me wish there was more of a crossover level where you get to ride and glide on Spyro because it's not just because it's toys for Bob, but they actually have crossover in the universe because there's a Spyro floaty and there's that big Spyro balloon in the background of the city. So they could actually do that, which would be pretty cute, I think. Um, there is, uh, did you know, the first poll I did, did you know early designs for Crash Bandicoot? He was actually called Willie the Wombat. 60% of our audience said no. They did not know Crash was called Willie the Wombat. Did you guys know that? Yeah, the... we've literally talked about it on the show before. Shane we have talked about it now. on the show that before. Was, but... that, was, that was one of your <laughs> quiz questions for us. I know, I know. Leading up also to heavy uh, referencing to that in one of the last levels of Crash 4. 
Yes, yes, yes. Which is, is very true. true. Um, given people a little history, I was, I had to ask people. If, obviously, I was hoping I was the only person that felt this way, but I asked our audience if YouTube thumbnails are cringy as fuck, and eighty percent of the audience said yes, they are very cringy. Um, but they must be effective in some way because I, I sat down and had this long, like hour long discussion with my wife last week about thumbnails. Cause we were sitting there in my living room and all those dumb thumbnails for kids videos scroll by. And then you have like gamer videos, like adult gamer videos that'll go by. And it's like just some hot chick grabbing her mouth like this, like, ah, on her thumbnail. And it's just like reaction to me. Cry. It's just, and the, or it's just. Some dude with his mouth open go, whoa, 10 kill streak, Call of Duty. And it's, thumbnails are just tactical nuke. I, the, the whole thumbnail thing to me is really, I, tr- I tried making a thumbnail before just to try and get it on thumbnail craze. And I oh, felt. Oh, you made a very atypical YouTube one. I've I did, it. yeah. And I felt, I still look at that to this day and I feel gross about it. Um, well, it was like two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks. It's too much. It was like last month. Um,. Let's see here. They are very cringy. And yet, can't stop staring at them. It's like a train wreck. Um, I was a little disappointed that our audience... uh, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. Spyro just can't get any love. I mean, 60% of the audience uh, picked Crash as their favorite mascot. And I remember the Ratchet and Clank games beat the Spyro game. So it's just... I can't get any love for Spyro out there. It's Spyro's awesome, but I think Crash had a higher peak. Um... Because that was yeah, you're probably the right. official mascot of the PS1. I think that Crash appeals a little bit more to the, the classical gamer because those games are challenging and Spyro is very easy. I, think, I, I love Spyro, but it's I easy. think in all our hearts, the real mascot of the PS1 is Roscoe McQueen, Firefighter Extreme. I did not understand a word you just said. <laughs> that was a joke Fair. for one person. Let's keep moving. <laughs> um, I will say I have been just trying to get some of the other Platinums in the Spyro trilogy and uh, playing Spyro 2 right now, and I think it's a great game. Uh, I don't quite agree with Rich on it being the best Spyro, but I do think it's a great game. Um, well, just keep being wrong. I mean, you don't save dragons. The, some of the swimming controls are kind of finicky. There's like these sections where you're like a rail, like a, a mine cart or thing, and they're just really finicky. And yeah, not in a fuck good way. that like, mine cart like, section. I know exactly what you're talking about. It. You know what I'm talking, talking about? about. Yeah. I talked about it last year. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that is stupid. Infamously, one of the worst parts about that game. Man, yeah, fuck, fuck that that mine cart or that mine shaft section. Man, that was the worst. I absolutely fucking hated that because i platinumed i believe the first one and the second one last year and that minecart one kept me at it for hours yeah mm-hmm. yeah i honestly i like the first one more i think nostalgia is the big factor there um i still think the second one is an amazing game though in its own right it's good it's just weird because instead of saving all those really detailed and charming dragons everywhere which was like a thing um, I thought the same thing, Josh, when you said that. He's gonna stay in it for hours. <laughs> I just, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to say it. I was, I was I gonna thought, let it. I the same thing. I was gonna let it pass. But... Keep them at it for hours. But in this game, you just like talk to these weird mice people, and you get orbs, and I don't know. I commend them for doing something different. I do, but it just doesn't feel like it has quite the same charm. But I am really enjoying the game. Uh, and Did I'm you beat the game yet? Nope. That yet. end section is a lot of fun. Uh, if it, I can't remember if it's the first game. I'm pretty sure it's the second game. It, 
but there's a th there's this like end level where basically you just collect a shit ton of gems and you like have to hover and hit all these different sections. I believe that's the second game. It's it super is. super fun. Okay, cool. That's really cool. Um yeah, I'm really enjoying it for, for what is this nice little detox game as we get ready to take a break here before fall crushes us. Um Let's see. Uh, I was asking our audience about this because of uh, in sports, we just have a lot of teams celebrating championships in this weird kind of bubble era with like a lot of shortened seasons or playing without fans. And 70% uh, of our audience said they do find these championships legitimate. Only 30% said they were not legitimate, um, which I think is about right. Seven out of 10 people-ish. So. Josh, you're making a funny Josh, face. <laughs> yeah, elaborate who, on your face. What? What what's what's the issue? What's what's to be? I mean, like I kind of understand possibly with football where they fucked up so badly that, you know, a bunch of teams are just completely out of it. But like with basketball, haven't uh, they... the the issue is people feel like it isn't going to be as legitimate with basketball because they had a three to was it three or four month long break a four month long break where basically all teams players got to rest and rejuvenate. You know, there were some injured players that weren't supposed to come back this season that came back. For example, like Yusuf Nurkic uh, on the Blazers was able to come back because of the break. Mm -hmm. So basically they felt like because every team had rest and not, and not, they didn't have to play the full 82 game season that it's going to feel a little bit more, or it's not going to feel if everyone isn't broken and exhausted at the end, it doesn't count. Yeah, that's that's a weird argument to me. That's basically saying like you were unable to tactically maim an opponent, so this doesn't count. So this totally doesn't count. Like what? Well, Josh, usually before the championship game, someone stands in the team's hotel room the night before, blaring an air horn. Mm. I no, Josh, I think the larger issue, like Shay was saying, is that, you know, this is the only time we may ever see the games played in this manner. And even the big thing for me, I, I don't think they're illegitimate because all the teams have the same shitty circumstances. So it's I, I think it's interesting in that way. Like me and Shay were talking about it being sort of like a a, a cool, like a, a one off year that we'll always remember. But the, the fans thing is big because, you know, fans can really increase the energy of a team if they're down or like the energy of a stadium. And well, that's, I, yeah, the whole season is different for that. Like that I totally get. And I agree. Very, with you. very weird. I, I have a friend I, I talked to a lot of work and, he, and his Lakers won the championship. And he's like, you know, I think oh, he's legit. on the Lakers. No, he owns yeah, he them, Rich. That's why he um, works at Pizza Hut. He oh, owns okay. The yeah. He owns them. Yeah. He sponsors he just them. He's really, really passionate about delivering pizzas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hobby. He's, just, mm -hmm. he's like Batman. He's he just in, wants to feel he's like he's in a it common, for the sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> well, as we all know, um, if you read Batman comics, Batman is actually a pizza delivery man during the day. In, uh, in I the wish comics. that was true. I wish that was true. Um, hey, Spider-Man did deliver pizzas in Spider-Man 2, all right? So well, let's not go. bring Sam Raimi into this. One, thi one oh. thing I wanted to <laughs> say off of that, Morgan, really really quickly with the crowd thing, that's something that you and I actually didn't personally talk about that I didn't think about till later, is if a crowd is really getting worked up and they're, they're yelling really loudly, some of those um, more energetic crowds, sometimes that throws off the coaches too because they have to communicate with the players and each other certain plays that are happening or they have to convey like hey this team is going into this set 
Um, like maybe an assistant coach is telling the main coach, hey, the team is going into this set. You need to tell this player to go here. And it's the same with the players shouting at each other too. Like if a crowd is being raucous and loud, it's going to be hard to hear some of those plays. So yeah, it's, I get why some people would feel like that the, 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 uh, the championship would be illegitimate this year, but I still don't agree with it. Just on, I, yeah, just I on like that the, point alone. Yeah, I feel like even though it's weird and maybe nowhere near as enjoyable for me, like everyone has the same variables. Like they're all the variables are equally fucked for everyone. So that's why I think it's interesting. Like everyone has the same strange variable and mm-hmm. we can look back on this year and be like, hey, remember that weird year with COVID where the Lakers won? You know, it's it's cool. Well, you don't way. you don't think for for one minute that there's going to be a case study about this. You're absolutely fucking high on top of that. There's going to be a documentary about yeah. I would imagine there's going to be at least two documentaries, one about the NBA bubble yeah. and one about the pandemic yeah. and how it affected sports. But one, one thing I already bought I think the rights. People, one thing I don't think people understand is that maybe yeah, like the players got rest, but you have to keep up that mentality they had to keep it up for four months when the oh, world was starting to just fall apart. <laughs> they have to keep that mentality of when we come back, we're going to yes. win a championship no matter fucking what. And here's the thing. Some of those players didn't keep that mentality up. There were, there were reports of a few of the NBA players who didn't even touch a basketball for those four months. Like they were not keeping up their basketball endurance and uh, stamina and their capabilities and skills up and those are the team like uh the raptors i'm specifically thinking about pascal siakam didn't touch a basketball during the entire break and so then that team that was favored to possibly go to the um finals got knocked the fuck out and they looked extremely pedestrian compared to the heat and that's i'm using a specific example to say a general point here that basically just because they got rest physically doesn't mean that doesn't affect your mentality. It doesn't affect your mental health. Like you have mm-hmm. to keep up the desire to win for a full year. In- and on top of that, and I know some people are going to be like, yeah, whatever, fucking like wham, wham. But they had to sit in a bubble for three months. Granted, they got food, they got fed, but they were eating, you know, hotel food. For three months. Yeah. Like imagine you, even, you even the eat. single dudes, they couldn't get out there slamming pussy every night. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, uh, you remember Daniel House Jr. fucking wrecked his marriage. <laughs> but uh, one of the, one person. But they, as soon as they found out that he had any outside contact, he got in a ton of trouble because it wasn't even outside contact. It wasn't even. Co- yeah. Outside he fucked contact somebody there. Was... He fucked someone in the bubble. Yeah. 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 So that seems fair then. Yeah. That's like double inside contact. It, it's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the the two contacts cancel each other out, but yeah, um, exactly. no. Psychologically, what what, what Shay saying right mentally, make a left. being inside the bubble was like working a lot well for. It was more difficult for older players that have families because a lot of younger players were finding they were they were seeing maybe potentially that it was easier for younger players because older players have families and it's difficult for them to separate for long periods of time, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's no like I understand there's some people on here like. Well, yeah, there are people that go off to fight wars in another country, and that's, and they're oh, yeah, not, of course, they're not yeah. getting fed that food. And I, I understand that they're like, I understand some people have the desire and the, uh, 
I, they have the desire to just compare job to job and be like, yeah, well, they're making fucking millions of dollars. They're not really being put in harm's way. Uh, they're still getting fed. They're still getting t- taken care of. Yes, I understand all that. But also yeah. the level to which you have to maintain their bodies both physically and mentally is something that I will never understand. Well, um, you know, be, like just, fair, just trying yeah. to just like imagine trying to get in shape and being like your yeah. best physical shape ever. And then next, imagine trying to be in the top 1% of whatever sport or uh, mm-hmm. physical activity that you want to do. Say you want to be the top 1% of snowboarding. Imagine the physical and mental shape you need to get in. And then on top of that, having all the skills and capabilities to be able to be at the top 1% of that particular uh, discipline that you want to be good at. So I, there, yes. there's a lot that goes into it. And I understand that we're not all going to agree on that. I just like to think that this, that any sport that exists in a bubble during a pandemic, that that championship is anything less than is, is a little absurd to me. And I, I think that goes without saying, obviously I'm such a big fan of the NBA, but it's just, it's, it's crazy to me, but I can they're, leave it at that. They're all weird, man. Like in baseball, they've had a very short season and it's funny because my Braves are notorious chokers. I, I've oh, you on the Braves. Um, no, he's on the Braves. He's the water. Boy. I'm one of those people that's like when you say my. Because you sound like an group. asshole when you say that. No, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, th- it doesn't whatever. change the fact that I think you I, sound like an asshole. I, <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of my brand. Um, but uh, my Braves have been notorious chokers for years, but without like fans in the stands, they've been doing really good this year. So they can't choke because there's well, no. Well, how pressure. is that different than other years? Um, normally they're, well, yeah. I was <laughs> saying they don't have fans. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But it doesn't apply here. You know, guys, um, I mean, as long as we're fixing sports, I don't know if I've ever told you guys my plan to fix the MLB. Uh, well, make curious, them all have well, steroids and. Oh yeah. Metal bats, steroids, mandatory. Yeah. Mandatory, mandatory steroids. I, I like that. Yeah. Called the Barry Bonds rule. Um, yeah, we okay. called it the rule of bonds. Yeah. It'll be interesting. There'll always be naysayers, but you know, the big one of the biggest athletes ever to play any sport at all ended up being the champion of the COVID era for basketball. So there's always going to be stuff like hey, that. Hey, hey, it's, it's not over yet. We got at least five more years of this. No, we'll have the next four years are Pat Beverly's. Rich, yeah, but I... have you seen literally Facebook? No, I, try to stay away I have that. not. I'm trying to stay away from Facebook, but thank you, Josh. <laughs> You've got parents, what? don't you? You've seen Facebook. I try to avoid no. them at all costs. <laughs> and we have different political views. Um, if Facebook is a breeding ground for They're diehard libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the show. We, we're going to take a week off, but you'll probably, you may see another podcast. Me and Richard talking about doing a special Baldur's Gatiss episode. Um, and we'll see how that goes, but we're going to take that one quick week off, but there'll still be tons of sword shots. We're going to lock us into that. Content, so don't miss it. Um, anyways, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Josh, for being here from Michigan. Uh, Rich from New York. Shay from Japan, of course. I'm here from Montana. And we'll see you in a few weeks for an all-new Chopcast.